This episode of Into the Boundary is powered by Thomas Financial Group. If you enjoy our episodes, make sure you like and subscribe to our YouTube channel for more exclusive content. You can also listen to us on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. This is Daryl Watson. I'm Eric Taylor. I'm Lamar Ford. You're listening to my boy Lou Mobley on Into the Boundary. This is Jamal Cussin. I just got finished with Lou Mob doing Into the Boundary podcast. You an athlete from the city? Got story to tell. It's a great opportunity to get your voice heard, man. Come holla at my man on Into the Boundaries with Lou Mob. Just finished the Answer Boundary podcast with Lou Mobley. More athletes should come down from Philadelphia and do your thing. Want to tell your story? Come on out. And talk about, you know, all your, your experiences and, you know, get your voice heard a little bit. So sit down and talk to him. Check him out. Welcome to Into the Boundary, the podcast with no boundaries, where sports meet real life. I am your host, Dre Moore. And today we have a very, very special interview. 2006 All-Catholic League Honorable Mention, voted the team's most improved player in his junior season, played in the Philadelphia City All-Star Game, four-year starter at IUP, started every position on the offensive line in his college career, 2014 Catholic League champion and city champion as a coach at Newman Garetti High School, and lastly, the creator and host of this show, Lou Mobley. Now, is it Lou Mob or Lou Mob? It feels feel different, you know what I'm saying, being on the, on the other side. Yeah, bro, it's different, man. Definitely different. But I'm excited to do this. Thanks, thanks, thanks. Um, into the boundary. Why into the boundary? Um, I feel like it's the, the cherry on top of my cape that I've been building. You know, I play football. I coach. I, I, I threw the track. Coach track, my bachelor's is in sports administration, my master's is in sports management. I'm an assistant director, athletic coordinator. Oh, you know, you know, can't give them too much from the beginning. No, no, no. I just, just want to paint the picture. You know, I'm real big on being like, like qualified to do what you do. Um, like you hear, you see commentators never played, just kind of, you know, spectated, I, spectated, researched. It's a little bit different when you have that firsthand experience um, to be able to give. You you know me. So when we talk about football, my conversation is a lot different from a barbershop conversation or when your uncle hits you with the, you watched the Eagles yesterday, and all he talking about is the ball carrier. Like, I watch football different. Right. Like I'm, I, we watch the games. I'm like, I'm seeing, yo, uh, Alshon killing that DB. He keeps trying to press him. He, he killing him off the ball. Watch they going to start doing quick slants. Five plays later, quick slants. Like, you know what I'm saying? But that's just, that just me. Knowing sports, you know, I always tell people I'm an expert in college. You know, I've been been twice. I've been coached there a long time. Like, outside of people, football, I know college really well. Um, so that's just into the boundary just was me putting my head together on what else can I do to associate with what I'm already doing. And then I found it extremely enjoyable. To interview people, get stories out. Um, we need that locally because we grew up watching so many Philadelphia, Delaware County legends, you know. Um, and I get so much enjoyment out of just getting people here and getting the stories, the backstories. Like it's dope to be like you interviewing one of the best players to come out of the city, but who he thought was tough, you know. What some of the trials and tribulations he went through is also important, you know, because 
you know, you see LeBron and them uninterrupted, trying to give the athletes a voice and create their own narrative. That's kind of like what I'm doing on this level, you know, on a local on a local tip, you know, just reaching out to people, getting the stories, um, more than just how many touchdowns you score, how many points you dropped. You know, like, I'm very proud of the work we, we, we accomplished so far. Nah, that's real. That's real. We definitely, we definitely appreciate that and we enjoy it. You know what I'm saying? We tune in every week, every time you drop something like the content. It's like it got better and better. And so you definitely grew with it. Um, as far as and this and real quick, since I met you, from like the day I met you, you always had this pride in just I'm from South Philly. Yeah. Like that's just a big thing with you. Like, yeah. why do you feel like that? Cause like you just say that anybody that know you from anywhere, if they know Lou, he's from South Philly. Like, um, <laughs> why is that uh, a big thing? So, like, you want to know something that's real? Um, so, just growing up out 31st and Tasker, I never thought anything of the neighborhood until I started traveling from my neighborhood to other neighborhoods. Right. Seeing how people reacted to, oh, you grew up there, it's crazy out there. You know what I mean? The, right. the respect level um, was different. Like, it's like, it's like, <laughs> going to the jungle, you came out with the lion, <laughs> lion man on your back. You feel me? Um, but it's not that it was like uh, I can't sit here and say that like I'm a street dude and I'm into the streets. But we all went to school together. We all grew up on the same streets together. Like I know, I know everybody out there for, for the most part. That's like in my age bracket. You know, I don't know the new young boys. <laughs> you know, you know, you know how the hood is. You know, people move there and they start claiming and all that. But I, I, who I grew up with, they know me. I know them. We all went to school together. And we always had a decent rapport. Um, but I love being from SP, man. You know, right. you know, just, yeah. it's, it's just having right. pride. It's just like, pride. You know what I mean? It's, like, you got super proud about, like, I always thought that, like, we always meant, like, man, I'm from here. Like, you don't got to ask. Like, you know how, like, people come in and be like, oh, where are you from? Oh, I'm from Cesar. You don't got to ask with you. If, if you. if they know you, they meet you five, ten minutes in. Listen, listen, man, it's like, it's like, it's so many things that I hate and love about being from Philly, South Philly. It's so many things, but it's so much of my personality. It's so much of how I think, you know, it it taught me so much, you know, um, it wasn't sweet. Like it it, it wasn't sweet. So you can't, I can't sit here and say like, it was sweet. It was this, it was the craziest thing ever. No, it was just what it was. Like, and you have these survival instincts and you have this street smarts about you, you know, um, I had to like, to be honest with you, just moving professionally, I had to suppress a lot of my natural way I am. Like, this is probably the most outspoken people ever seen me. Um, growing up, I was very muted, very quiet, very reserved. I watched, I was so on defense. Like, you know what I mean? Like, and I mean that in every sense of the way. We would go party and I would couldn't even enjoy the party. It's dark, the lights flickering, the music loud. And I'm just sitting here waiting for something to go left because that's what I'm used to in my neighborhood. You sitting on the steps, you chilling. You can't be on your, can't be too lax because, you know, somebody shooting, somebody fighting, somebody something, right. you know. So it was, that's just part of my personality. Like, right? um, even like, my girl, something like smile more, speak to people first. <laughs> I was, I was, you know, it was, it was a thing to always be on your grizzly, you know, walk with your, like you'll be walking down the street catching a bus or something. You walking kind of with your head down, but you kind of really trying to look behind you. You had eyes on the back of your head. That's what you will be doing because you're just so used to. How 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 the inner city was and anything could happen, you know. So like, what was you described how it was in the neighborhood? Yeah. So, what was it like in your home? In your um, 
So I would say that I'm highly blessed. Um, out of a lot of people I grew up grew up with, I'm one of the only that had mom and dad at home. And to be honest, until like now, just about let's say in the last couple of years, I always took it for granted. You know what I mean? I just know for sure right now, after doing all the work I've done and working with so many different kids and from the inner city, it really mattered having both parents in the house, you know, having dad in your life, things like that. Um, just speaking about my family was always me, my older brother, um, my mom and my dad. And throughout the course of years, you know, different uh, extended family members would live with us. Um, but that was the, always the core, was me, mom, uh, dad, and my brother. Um, I always tell people, um, my dad, I always associate my dad with people's grandparents, because my dad is, when I was born, daddy was 63. Um, you know, my dad is 25 years older than my mom. Um, my dad was at a whole different stage in his life than even my friends with their dads. You know, just having dad is a plus, but my dad was older, a little bit more more secure in life and also retired. So like, like everything that people moms probably did, my dad did. My dad um, volunteered at the school, went on field trips with us, he was always around. So he like practically raised us, you know, I know people see me now and probably think mama's boy, but to be honest, I, I started off being daddy's boy. I'm my dad's only biological son. Um, I'm something like a miracle baby. Um, I never told this to anybody, but, um, my mom didn't know she was pregnant with me um, for like four months, maybe three, wow. four months. They was like rushing my mom to the hospital, you know, thinking she was having a heart attack. And the funny thing is, she get all the way in there and they like, Eunice, you know you're pregnant. You got two heartbeats. You pregnant? <laughs> you pregnant? She like, no way, I can't be. And you know, you ain't having no heart attack. You got two heartbeats and somebody else heartbeating inside of you. So all that irregular heartbeat is just two rhythms. Right, right. You know what I mean? So I always thought that was dope. Um, one day I might write a poem about that, but <laughs> you know what I mean? But I could never like pull that together on some real fly, right, you know. Right, right. But um that concept is shit, you know. But just growing up, we grew up on uh like I said, South Philly, 31st Task, we grew up on Napa Street, and just growing up there, man, I have a brother that's nine years older than me. Wow. So like um even to the day, I just feel like we got nine years, we have like common interests. Like I have all his same interests, whether it's Marvel characters, Transformers, whether it's sports, you know what I mean? Whether it's his creative, you know, into video games and stuff. Like I have all his interests and more, but in terms of like that nine years yeah, matter. Yeah. No, no, it matter. Cause I, you know, my life's like the same. Like it's similar to yours. Like my dad was 51. When I was born, my mom was like 24. Wow. But my oldest brother, we're exact, like I was born in 1990 and he was born in 1960. We're exactly 30 years apart between me and my oldest brother. That so, is crazy. Super sick. So like that's crazy. super crazy, right? Crazy. Like he like could be my dad for real. Yo, real. You, you know what's funny? My whole life I waited for him to hit me with the surprise, like your older brother, not your brother, that's really your dad. Like, I waited, I waited, I waited for that for a long time and it never happened. I'm glad it never happened, but I couldn't, like, like when I was young, I couldn't figure out, like, why my dad was so old and gray and, like, cats like Lamar and them dad looked like, 
my brother, you know what I mean? Like, they were young, still black, you know right. what I mean, here. Um, but yeah, man, um, just growing up, man, it was just interesting, man. I was so blessed to have my dad. My dad is so awesome, man. Um, you know, uh, recently I just identified with, I never set out to be my dad or like be like him. Right. It's just everything that he did and he preached to me became normal. So I'm like him through lessons. You know what I mean? So, like, you talk about being a stand-up dude. He talked about handling your business. You know what I mean? Um, he put morals and stuff in me. You know what I mean? A whole bunch of respectable things. Like, I got three men in my life. Uh, well, had three men in my life. Well, and I put them all in that same category. It's my dad, it's Coach Steve, and, and it's J.B. Smith. And it's, like, so many things about them. The common thing between them is the impact they had on other people. So when I look at them, I just see legacy. You know, I, mean, I see, you know, you know, not to make this like a, a negative conversation, but when I think about when I go out, I want to have touched so many people's lives and so many people be affected. You know what I mean? So many people have respect and pay homage because that's, that's your imprint on the world. You know what I mean? Whether I help the youth, whether I help my peers, whether I help people older than me, I seen that in my dad. My dad was like the hood's father. Like he helped father, you know, my, my brother's like, he started taking care of my brother when my brother was six. Right, right, right. You know what I mean? So that's his, 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 his stepson. I guess it took me to go to college and learn that that was my half-brother. I was raised with him as my brother. I never even knew what half was. Right. Um, um, but We don't do that. We, we don't, don't do that. Yeah, we don't. Step, that's son, brother, you know what I'm saying? It's, it's always that. You know, you know, I'm really not into, like, what's ideal. You know what I mean? So, like, you talk about, like, ideal family. Like you said, like, he was always my brother. It was never, like, that's your half-brother. That never was a thing. Like I, I went to college and somebody was like, oh, oh, that's your hand, brother. Y'all have different fathers. And I'm just like, I was taken back, like, and I called my mom, like, yo, mom, am I my hand, brother? Like, what is that? Like, and she like, no, he's your brother. And she kind of like put me yeah, in my place. But she was offended by it. But I was offended by it, you know, learning from, you know, somebody else. Somebody else. But you know, when you raise, I don't want to say in a box, but you're raised with uh different things. Yeah, you get spoon fed. Yeah. You never like going to the research and the technicalities and stuff. So anyway, that was our family dynamic, man. And like my dad would like fix everybody flat tires on their bikes and take them on bike rides from our neighborhood all the way down to the lakes. My dad was the dad that took everybody, all my friends, over to the schoolyard out corn, corn reading to shoot basketball. You know, my, my mom and my dad would take scrape up their money, take me and all my friends to carnivals and stuff like that. Um because, like I said, me and my brother are nine years apart, so it was almost like being the only child for real, for real. Um, so, so, like, they were always big on um, keeping me occupied because I used to ask for other siblings. I used to ask for pets. <laughs> they, I used to ask they, for they all these things. explain to you that he wasn't getting no yeah, more siblings. <laughs> they couldn't explain to me, like, you're lucky to be here, bro. Like, I was on the back end of it. Right. I was on the back end of it, and you came. Like, you, you might be the last one coming through, you know what I mean? Right. They you know? they let you know that. <laughs> um, but yeah, man, I just, I just want to, you know, just, you know, my dad was just awesome, man. I, and, I, and, and, and more and more, I think about it, like I'm really like, like almost like walking his identical shoes without trying, with my own little spin on it. You know what I mean? With my family dynamic now, um, my dad used to coach sports. He used to do all types of stuff. You know what I mean? So. But it's crazy, bro. It's, right. it's absolutely crazy. Nah, that's definitely dope, man. So, like, what was your, like, first introduction to sports? So, you realizing, like, you want to play football, but you like football. 
like, or you want to play basketball. So, you know, when I normally ask people this, I'm asking for the generic, like, the young boy answer, you know, like, yeah, man, my dad and my mom, my mom and my dad got me a court, um, and I was banging on my Fisher Price, you know what I mean? <laughs> no, but, um, you know, I was always a bigger kid, man. It's no surprise. I came out big. I was like eight pounds, like six pounds. I came out as a big baby. I was a big child. Um, and I liked basketball, yeah, like, initially. Initially, like, I, I mean, I could never, like, I never was slender enough to really play organized ball. But, like, in the neighborhood, I was known for playing pickup. And I was cool enough in middle school and high school to get runs with the guys who went on to actually play right. high school ball and stuff like that. But I love playing basketball. My little drop set, my little spin move, hook shot. Like, I used to love Thank Shaq. You. Thank you, Shaq. Yeah, like, you know, Shaq. I could. <laughs> I wasn't seven foot or nothing, but I used to really love basketball. But um, you know, in the neighborhood, we used to play every sport to occupy ourselves. Like I remember playing baseball with tennis balls and a broomstick. I remember playing uh, basketball on on crates with uh, plywood and stuff attached wow. to the back of them. Actually, like, almost broke my middle finger dumping on somebody on a crate, bro. This drone was, like, jammed, like, swollen. It's probably so – this is the normal my finger looked in my whole life since I did that when I was, like, a teenager. I remember fracturing my thumb playing football on the block. I'm, like, get, like playing, like, we played one, two, three, hold, or we played stop the motion. It was, like, almost like our version of tackle on the concrete right. until we started actually playing tackle on the concrete. And I remember, <laughs> like, fracturing my thumb. Um we used to play like streets versus streets. Yeah, Scotty used to tell me about that. Corley we used to play streets versus streets and everything. Corley Street versus Memphis Street. Yeah, so like um, in the neighborhood, and, you know, and I'm and I'm probably great uh, going over a lot right now. Just to, like I was always too big, you know what I'm saying? So I never played <laughs> organized football. I never was. I had asthma growing up, so I never played basketball. Basketball was a lot more running. Um, so my my whole childhood was just like playing with guys in the neighborhood. Like I wasn't the cool, I wasn't super cool, or I was a heavy set boy. But what 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 I had was you come to Napa Street, you're gonna be playing against Lou in every sport. Like you're gonna right. lose. <laughs> playing curveball. I was the truth at curveball. Like, like you know what I mean? So like it's crazy. Um but we used to play streets versus you know a block versus block. We used to play Napa Street. We used to actually like team up and be like Napa, Patton and Tasker versus Curly. And Stanley in that part of Tasker. Right. And we would play like football at Stanley Square. We'll play football at 30th Street Park or and we'll be out there like like it was almost like NFL street, like a couple people in the line, a couple people playing receiver. Right. And um we weren't lining. We was running down Skyscraper, me and Kadeem, running down Mawson, intercepting, tackling people in open field. Like we were actually like freaking them. Like they like, you know what I mean? And that their impact on us just made us competitive. Like when Ricky and the Moots are our block, they used to play Pop Warner and all that. You know what I mean? And then Dean said this. It just kind of made us we must protect this house. Like we the best on the block. Y'all not the best on the block. Like and right. it just made us dumb competitive. And then playing ball at the schoolyards. Like, you know, schoolyard not regulation. So we was like banging and like having right. like mad fun as kids. Um, but we was like playing against Scotty. Scotty was dumb nice. Scotty was a freak athlete. I'm like almost mad. Like I don't know if he ever played organized sports, or he probably chose to work over it. But Scotty is probably a person wow. that I would love to see play somebody receiver and safety, play somebody yeah, shooting guard. He's still that buddy. He was the truth, man. But even like guys like Naquan, like yo, we Naquan was like we called him Dub. Dub used to uh, have a crazy float around Tony Parker time. Had the floater going. 
He was like like in our in our schoolyard games, he was like a bigger guard, you know, because like Lamar was like a smaller guard, you know what I mean? But like dudes like Nate Kwan, Nate, um, just we played with all them guys in the neighborhood, Ricky Romar, like we played with all them guys in the neighborhood. And it was just them competitive, like like it used to get like chippy. You know what I mean? Nobody <laughs> wanted to lose. It was like bragging rights for a week. Like we'll see somebody at the poppy cell, like, yo, I bust his ass last week. Like, you know what I mean? They can't it can't stop me out there. Like so like, since you didn't play organized sports growing up, so your first introduction to organized sports would be high school. High school. So, how was that? So, in high school, a lot of people don't know this either. In high school, I went to. So let me tell you about this process. <laughs> so like in eighth grade, um, I went to the neighborhood, uh, our neighborhood school. I went to James Alcorn from Cater. Fourth, and then I for fifth to eighth, I went to Alcorn technically and as it was called Amaya. And it's all within our neighborhoods, all walking distance, you know, maybe one block away. And they didn't have any organized sports. We used to kind of play in like little beacons, Salvation Army leagues, and like basketball and stuff, but it was like a joke. Like we ain't had no practice. We would show up. Like there was dudes on our team that would show up in like jean shorts. <laughs> <laughs> to play the game yeah bro it was like really like really bad you know um um it wasn't like how it is now man it's, it's people find ways to make things look legit you know right. raise money look legit we were playing like more beacon leagues but in high school um sports wasn't like a real thing it was just a hobby you know i was more focused focused on getting my work and papers I, um i've been an honor roll student since like first grade like right. I've been, I've been on track. I've been programmed to go to college since I was in third grade. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like my dad instilled in me college, and like get the one after that. He didn't even know what it's called. And my dad only got a tenth grade education. He had to drop out and take care of four of the siblings. Like you know what I mean? But his head, everybody that went to college was politicians, because probably in his era, right, that made sense. You know what I mean? Absolutely. But he didn't know you can go to school for anything you want, literally under the sun. Right. Um, but I went to prep charter. Daddy got me in the prep charter because, like, I was trying to tell you about this eighth grade process. Eighth grade process, you know, you can apply to any school in the city. Right. No jurisdiction, no, like, address, almost no nothing at this time. You talking about 03, you know, that time. And I applied to all these good schools just on the academic tip. No, no pursuing, I wasn't pursuing sports. Like, I probably was on part of being a rocket scientist. Like, you know what I mean? Like, like, you know, no real rap. Like, it's crazy. Like, I always wanted to be an architect because I used to like labels and stuff. Like, I always wanted to build. And now if I could put what I'm good at now and that trait, I would build football stadiums. Like, you know what I'm saying? If I could put together the, my love for sports and what I really wanted to do when I was a kid until I got to, like, calculus and trigonometry and I couldn't do math, <laughs> that's my, that rerouted my whole engineering architecture <laughs> That destroyed that, bro. It's crazy how one thing just be like, man, we gotta we gotta scrap scrap this idea. No, bro, I've been I've been picking up pieces, things get scrapped all the time. But in this process, you can apply to any high school in the city. And I applied to all these schools, like from Bodine to like Central to Parkway Center City. And I wanted to go to Parkway because they ain't had no cafeteria and all that, but you could go out for lunch and come back, you know. all that stuff I wanted to do, and I applied to all these schools. Like I said, I made honor rolls since like the first, second grade, like first honors. Like, like I would get in trouble for getting second honors. Man. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, second honors are like all A's and B's in one city. Like, I would get in trouble for that. My mom, I'm everywhere. I'm 
I'm sorry. I'm nah, you good, bro. No, nah, no. Nah. So it was this one time in third grade. Um, I guess I, I would say I wasn't locked in. And Mrs. Bradford, she was a, a black teacher in third grade. And she really was one of the first teachers that started that whole, you know, a lot of people, you know, y'all ain't going to make it to see 25 and people going to be dead and in jail. We were getting that in third grade, bro. And I didn't, you know, you know, at third grade, like I can't comprehend that. But thinking about that now, I just think about how much trauma or like negativity you putting out there. Nobody really wants to hear that. Or I guess you call myself making us aware, but you're not doing that with third graders. Over eighth graders, right? You know what I mean? But in third grade, I brought home a C in math and like a D in handwriting. Back when you used to have handwriting classes, because from what I hear, they don't even teach people how to write in cursive anymore. I can't write in cursive. But I got a D in handwriting and a C. And I bought and I bought a report card home. And my mom, like I said, my mom would work and my dad would be home with us. And my dad was kind of like supervising and you know, over watching us and stuff. But my mom was real big on education. Real big on education. She was sitting with me doing my projects, helping me with all my work, kind of taught me how to do research papers, real right. You know what I'm saying? And when the things she couldn't do, she would really go out and get me tutors for. Right? Anyway, I brought home in this third grade class, I brought home a C and a D, and she lost her mind on me. You know what I mean? She just straight lost her mind on me, yo. She grabbed me by the ear, she dragged me to the porch, and, you know, my mom, a God-fearing woman. You know, everybody <laughs> know my mom. I'm telling you, I ain't gonna use her language, but she was getting with me. She was getting busy. <laughs> she was cursing me out, you feel me? Right. Um, and she pointed down to the corner, and at the corner was a bunch of hood dudes on the corner uh, shooting dice and smoking weed. And she's like, you want to be that? You want to be that? C's are average. And I'll never forget that in my whole life, that C's are average. You want to be average? You want to be average? Because that's what average looked like. And she was really programming me to want better. To want better. And it's probably set the tempo. That's probably the reason why I'm like so hard to, like, like, I don't never settle. I'm hard to satisfy. Like, I'm always trying to, like, you know what I mean? We want things are great, man. What's the next level up? You know what I mean? See if I can handle that. Always like that. And, I, and that's probably to a fault. But like, I've been programmed like that since third grade. Her dragging me by my ear like you know, her grandma and cursing me out. You want to be them on the corner? Right. You want to be them on the corner? You know what I mean? How they mind over there fighting over dice games. That's average. That's what that looked like. You want to know what that looked like in real life? That's what that looked like. Never wanted to be that. Anyway. <laughs> we in eighth grade. I'm in eighth grade. <laughs> I don't get into any of the schools. I apply all eight of them. The best schools in the city from Mass Bond to Bodine. My mom can't believe it. It ain't no test. He ain't fell nothing. It's all based upon report cards. And she's like, I can't fathom why my son can't get into any of these public high schools. So daddy, like, so and so I all my my neighborhood, and there's so much neighborhood beef that I'm not even going to get into it on the camera for real, but it mattered if you were going to go to public high school, it would matter where you're going because you wanted to go where your neighborhood was going. Like, a lot of people from my neighborhood was going to, like, Bach. Right. Right? But, like, rival neighborhoods was going to South Philly High. Right. You know, you go further down, a couple more rival high schools going to Furnace. Right. You know, and then you have the people who totally just Went to like Ben Franklin or William Penn just to even get out the mix. You right. feel me? Um, but they were going to send me the furnace. You know? Like we ain't going. 
And 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 it's crazy because like you talking about things that like change the route of your life. And we when I could pinpoint all these things that rerouted my life. You know, um, this decision rerouted my life. I was gonna go to furnace. I'm telling you right now, four years going to public high school in furnace, I would not be Lou the Dirt. It would be no way. It would be like if Orrin Reed was old Orrin Reed and we I, I went to Orrin Reed out of Avery. There's no way I'm this person. There's no way. You know what I mean? Just seeing that stuff, dealing with that chaos on a regular basis, there's just no way. So my dad don't know much about education. Like I said, he got tip grade education. He take my report card and they building like they building a new school and it's prep charter. The one that's under the bridge. Right, they man. building it, they right. fixing it up, they renovating. And they they like they're not quite in it yet, but they're planning to be in it. They board it, you know, and starting to do that process. And my dad went down there with my report cards without anybody knowing. And said, they trying to send my son here, send my son there. I want him to go here. And this is what type of student he is. To the principal. Oh. <laughs> so he saved my life. So like, so from there, they normally do a lottery to get in. Lottery already done. They packed to a mission. You know what she say? Oh, he's a great student. We would love to have him. And exempted me of the lottery and admitted me to prep charter. So I went to prep charter and I liked it. You know, I didn't like that it was a smaller high school because you still had the middle school feel. Like you didn't have your own individual schedules. It was like you were locked to a class and y'all wanted to take the classes together. So like whoever you was packed with, Oh yeah, which had the same yeah. math class, same English class. Oh, that's crazy. So it was, it, it felt like that, you know, our first couple of years there. Um, I stayed there at 10th grade and 11th, uh, 9th grade and 10th grade. And I liked it and I was excelling. I was super excelling. Like, same thing, on the roll, out the wazoo, you know what I mean? Just strong academics. And they had like all these college prep stuff. Like, we would, on Fridays, we would take labs at community college. You know, on Thursdays, we'll volunteer at our high school. On Wednesdays, we'll volunteer at uh, Methodist Hospital on Broad Street. Like, so it was, like, really, really quality education. But it was a charter school. And um, only bad thing I got to say about there is one time they hired a basketball coach that was the gym teacher. And my mom going to crack up when I tell her this story. Um, I watched my mom lose it at report card conferences because this young black teacher who was their basketball, one of their basketball coaches gave me a C in gym. Now, just describe it to you, my upbringing. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Describe it to you, like, my, my athletic ability. Like, I was always the, the big kid that could catch the smaller kids, whether it was that was pure athleticism and speed or, like, just because I'd be outsmarting people. You right. know what I'm saying? And we – he gave me a C in gym. And my mom was like, you see this report card? It's beautiful. My kid don't have nothing lower than a, a 90. And this dude gave him a 75 in gym. Like, what are you holding my son back for? Tell me what he didn't do. Tell me he can't do push-ups. Tell me he can't climb a rope. And you know, in gym class, they don't do that stuff no more. That's like, right, my that's mom is the old, Right, that's the old stuff. Yeah, like, my mom is, like, going back at her day. You know what I mean? And, and he didn't have an answer why he gave me a C. So my mom went and got the principal and brought the principal to the teacher. And they changed my report card. Because he had no reason, which then gets me into like how I think about administration. If you're not really doing your job, you're going to, of course, go down here. And if I'm a, a from a broken home and my mom and dad, the dad ain't there, right? they don't care. Like he got to see. For the most, most of the community sees the school, right? right. And uh, my mom lost her mom about 75, bro. And she was 
she was probably the loudest lady. And my mom is not that person. Like, y'all know my mom. Like, my mom is not. It's a couple of times I see my mom really had to break Christian <laughs> character. <laughs> had to break Christian character. You know what I'm saying? And um, that was the two times. I brought home that, that dumb report card in third grade. And then when dude gave me the C at Prep Charter. Um, Same play about the grades. Same play about the grades. So, like, you know, like, me and selling in the classroom is just normal. You know what I mean? Like I said, I've been programmed to go to college since third grade. So like, in my head, this is what I'm expected to do. So now, prep has they excel in sports. Yes. You know, football, basketball. And they didn't even have football when I was there. Oh, that was was gonna lead into my next question. Like, so what was sports at prep? Like, why? Because they didn't have football at prep. They didn't have football at prep. They had basketball. Um, you know, and I went to a lot of the games. They had the Morris Twins, Rodney Green. They had a bunch of dudes. Uh, Kev, I forget Kev, and they start laughing some of the arm, but it was nice. Bradford. Bradford. Yeah. It was super nice. And I think they like won like stage or something one year. I remember watching them play like Central and like a chip name. Right. Um, but they had basketball. And, you know, they had pretty much been growing. And when they got the Morris Twins, they just super excelled. Right. Um but I never played sports there, bro. And um, the summer after 10th grade, now you're talking about my best friend, Kadeem. Kadeem right. is two years younger than me. Kadeem is going into ninth grade, and I'm going into 11th. And he's going to Newman. He went to Catholic middle school. He's he going to Catholic high school. And I just had enough. And I'm just like, <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, Dad, I'm like, Dad, I want, I want to go to Newman. With Kadeem, that's my man. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, you know what I mean? And by that time, man, you know, just to really let people know, man, like, you know how you hit a stride with somebody? Like, you know, people, some people have friends overnight. Some people just, the relationship with somebody else just grows through time. And by the time we were going to high school, a lot of our people that live on our street with us had moved away, and me and Dean had became super tight. It was no more... Uh, Mark, Hakeem, CJ, and Kadeem. It was like CJ moved away, Mark, Hakeem moved away, and it, it kind of was just me and Dean. So by the time like, you talk about Ricky and them all moving to the block, me and Dean was already thick as thieves. Right, right. So, you know, Dean started vacationing with us. Like, Dean was always over my house. I always had the newest video games, the toys. I had every Power Ranger, every Transformer, every the whole X-Men collection, the future, the past. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, and, and one thing I want to say about that, you know, my mom was a working woman. My dad was retired. Our structure of our life is different than, than my peers. Right. They got younger parents, probably still struggling, still trying to figure it out. Um, and my mom always had a reward system. reason why I made these honor rolls for a long time, I made the honor roll because, hey, you make the honor roll, I'll buy you that new uh, Nintendo 64. Right. I'll buy you the Dreamcast with Sonic. You know what I mean? And that was my incentive to do well. You know, it's kind of like what I want to take it to parenting now. Like, I think you got to incentivize your kids until they realize that they're really working for themselves the whole time. Like, it's almost like tricking somebody to do well. You know what I'm saying? And, and she did that for a long time until I got to high school and I realized, like, I was building my own resume with these report cards. Right. You know, it's cool that she was going to buy me some new sneakers. It's cool that she was going to get me that PlayStation 2 when it came out with the new tech and it was cool. That bloody roar, yeah, you know right. I mean, all the games like Metal Gear Solid, all the games that I loved growing up. But it was until I realized, like, this is really for me. 
Right. You know what I'm saying? So we had all the cool stuff. Dean was coming over. Dean going to Newman. I'm like, man, I want to go to Newman with Dean. Dean's about to play football. Like, I'm just like, man, I want to play football. You know, because now, now you talk about just being big and regular. Like, you know what I mean? Nobody right. wants to be big and regular. Like, people, people, every time people see me, like, yo, why don't you play football and stuff? Like, no, that's the thing. Like, it's like you walk into, like, McDonald's and the boy behind the register, he's like 6'10". Like, like yeah. Why is six ten ball back here doing this? Why six ten ball back there doing the fries? Right, and he's be doing this. No, that's facts. You don't just want to be like just overly big and just doing something regular. No, man. So like he went to Newman, and um, he was going to Newman, and I wanted to go to Newman, and um, I wanted to go, but my mom wasn't budging. And back then, Newman for a non-Catholic person was fifty two hundred a year. Listen. Tuition and you know, dudes like Dean had athletic scholarship. He also had help from just like based upon high income, right. and you know that's how a lot of people were able to afford these schools, like right. Catholic schools, you know, private schools or whatever. So, and mommy was still working, so we weren't going to afford no income based thing or nothing like that. And if we was going to do it, she was going to have to eat that, and that probably balanced out to like five, five twenty five a month. Right. And my dad was so adamant on, you know, us going, but a big part of this that really put this in motion is um, I used to get my hair cut by Ron Mills. Shout out to Ron Mills, man. That's one of my few old heads. We don't have many. And he one of my old heads in the neighborhood, and he was Mar dad. And he used to cut our hair. And in that barbershop, Coach Steve, the football coach from Newman, was from our neighborhood, which – I ain't even put that together, but from our neighborhood, that's it's a million reasons why we vibe. He was from our neighborhood. He used to get a cut, haircut in our barbershop, and I only ever seen him one time. Because you know, when you're a working dude, you probably go get haircuts at noon. Right. I'm right. getting haircuts at the school five, six o'clock. You know what I mean? And um, Coach Steve was in there, and he would kind of like ask about us, inquire about us, like, "What's up with the two big kids that come in here with your son?" Right, right. And um, and one, Coach Steve was the head coach. Coach Steve was the head coach at Newman. So, and one day he asked Ramil, can we come around? Can you tell your son to bring his friends around and meet me? Right. And we went around here and we met Coach Steve, big black coach. Kind of got like a Santa vibe to him. He definitely got a Santa vibe. <laughs> he He's super positive, super funny, down to earth. He had this big Santa vibe to him, man. Like, you right. know what I mean? And... He kind of like, I want y'all to come to Newman if it's possible. You know, I would like to meet with y'all parents and stuff like that. And, you know, my dad retired. So, you know, what I did, I'm going to run back around the corner. My dad's going to be sitting on the porch in a beach chair, <laughs> sleep on the porch in the middle of the hood. My dad probably like the most gangster person in the neighborhood. <laughs> you would not sleep anywhere in my neighborhood. My dad slept on the porch for 60 years, bro. Unbothered. You know what I mean? So, run around the corner, grab my dad and introduce him to Coach Steve and start talking. So the same thing he did, went behind everybody back to get me from on the furnace, is the same thing he went behind my mom back and got me in the Newman. And kind of like told my mom, like, he going. So, like, you gonna have to, we going to have to figure that out. Like, we're going to have to figure out this 500 a month. Can you imagine if, can you imagine if, you know what I'm saying? You. Your lady hit you with the, Dude. you know what I mean? I'm changing my daycare, and, and it's an extra 500 a month. Like, you know, we're going to have to eat that. <laughs> no. <laughs> so my pop did that, you know what I mean? And my pop is really into like yeah. being fair. You know, we did everything for Lamont. You know, can we do this for Junior? You know what I'm saying? And 
Shout out, <laughs> shout out to your father. Yo, he the goat for real, and um, he yeah. just he just strong on my whole high school experience, and now I'm going to Newman. All right. And um, yeah, man. So I'm at Newman with these, bro. So we get to Newman, yeah. play organized football ever. Yeah. How is that? So like before we even had one day of class, you know, it's work, summer workouts, it's training camp. And, you know, once I'm admitted into the school, so like, let me talk about this process for a second. This, is, <laughs> this might be hilarious content. You know, inner city dude, is, is, is as educated as I was being at that time and, and prepped to be like a good kid, good student. My mom and my dad and I had a meeting with the father, the principal, president of the school, everybody down at Newman. Um, and I forget the woman's name. Might be Mystico. I don't want to quote me on that. I don't remember administrator's name at this point in my life. It's just, I can't. So I was never in trouble to remember people. So like, I met with whoever the principal was at Newman with my parents. And um, she asked me at the end of the interview, why do you want to come to Newman? And me being an inner city kid, blessed with this opportunity, you know, I'm like, I'm coming here to play football. <laughs> and she just kept, she asked me the question like three times until I caught on what she was trying to get me to say. Right. Um, I come here to play football, you know, Coach Steve, da, 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 and which was really my real reason on going to Newman. All them answers are wrong. <laughs> All them answers is wrong when you try to apply that school for academics, right? So eventually, right. my mom tapped me. And I was like, oh, I want to go to Newman because I want a Catholic education. Um, I figured it would be better for my transcripts going to college. And I put on a whole dog and pony show, and we get through the, the admissions process of getting into Newman. But initially, you know, I want to go to play ball. I'm about to be, right. you know what I'm saying? Like, so that's, we couldn't, you could have, they could have just been like, you can't go here now. Yeah. That interview went. It, it could have went bad, you know what I'm saying? So, like, <laughs> but it's it's crazy because I ain't like no better. You feel me? Like I didn't, I, mean, right. I didn't know better. Um, At that point in time, like so. So after that interview, you know, we start going to workouts and all that. So my first practice, well, my first practice workout, whatever you want to call it, we out there. So at Newman, the beginning part of practice was one lap around the field. You line up and do calisthenics, which is like high knees, butt kicks, shuffling, karaoke, and what other other 18 calisthenic things it is, right? Right. So Lou want to play football. Lou don't understand what it means to be an athlete because Lou was never an athlete. Lou would come outside, come down these steps, go on a go route and destroy somebody on the 1400 block of that. You know what I mean? <laughs> you know what right. I mean? That's, that's all I need to do. And then after that, I could just talk crap like, yeah, I, I did that to you and I'm nice. Not knowing that you got to come do that over and over and over again in practice, right? So I never knew to stay in shape. I never knew to take care of my body. I never knew that you should be working out all the time. Like, I didn't know what in shape was. I was just this bigger kid, happy not to be 400 pounds, happy to just be 250 pounds, 60 pounds, 70 pounds. You know what I'm saying? Being able to move. And being able to move. And, like, I always was, like, quick and, like, um, Technically sound, like, I never played organized basketball, but you can't tell me when I move in basketball, I don't look. Like, I'm really mimicking what I watch. Right, right. Like, super well. Like, probably above average. You feel me? So, like, we ran we ran that one lap 
I'm telling you, halfway through the lap, I was physically dead, mentally checked out. <laughs> like, and then the rest of the lap, now I'm like behind by like 50 yards from the next person. Which is crazy. Which is crazy. So it was rough. Calisthenics killed me. I was ready to go home after calisthenics. Like, I had enough after calisthenics. Like, I'm being serious, man. So, like, at this point, so Coach Steve did all this to get, us to get, it, get y'all here, and now you here, and you're not in shape at all. At all. But, so, who, but who knows to be in shape? Right. I never played before. It's not like I was a transfer, and I was, like, a big-time athlete at Bach, and then I'm going to Newman. Right. Like, I had never been in shape. So like you're talking about, I'm going into my 11th grade year. I have never been in shape. I have never played football. This dude's on that team, on that Newman team. Shout out to them. They've been playing football since they were five years old. Wow. But like, watch this. Like, let's tell a story. So at Newman, I struggled first three weeks flat out. Before we even put a helmet on, I was like struggling. And, you know, every week, you know, Coach Steve would give me positive. You get better. I see you You made it through the warm-up today. <laughs> yeah, you made it through the warm-up. It's crazy. Bro. You made it through the warm-up. You made it through the warm-up today. It's crazy. Um, but but I was picking up stuff. Uh, stance. Uh, please. I was picking it up as fast as a person that never played could. And let's just say... I, once we got on the path, I had to start all the way over. Had to learn how to get dressed. Had to learn how to put my belt on with the butt pad in it and the thigh pads before they got. Y'all lucky I got all these compression shorts with the pads all in it. We had to still put your put your pads. I never even knew you had to put pads in that. Yeah, it was a belt. You had to like put the belt on, tie it, and then pull your pants up over your over your belt because your belt had your hip pads on it and your butt pad on. You thought all of that was just attached to the pants? No, bro. So anyway, I had to learn how to get dressed, is what I'm describing to you people. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I had to learn how to get dressed. I had the dookie helmet. I had to be comfortable in a helmet, the weight of a helmet, the weight of shoulder pads. Like, my whole career, for my first four years of playing football for real, I had to learn how tight I needed I needed my pads because I had asthma. So, like, if I tied them too tight, I would be about to have an asthma attack. If I had them too loose... The people up under them, and now my shoulder pads is in my throat. And I would always have, like, my throat would be always sore from people being up under me, and I was always playing high and stuff like that. But I had to figure out my combination of how tight I wanted it, how loose it was, you know what I'm saying? I had to learn all that. You know, when you play your whole life, you know what you're comfortable with. You know, I need the extra elbow pad. I need the, the knee sleeves. I need this. I need my ankles taped. I didn't know what I need. I need gloves. You got I was out there with a dookie helmet, no gloves. What line even look like that? I had zero swag. <laughs> He's trash, man. I was trash, bro. <laughs> um, and with that being said, never playing before, I, I would have to say that I was soft. Right. I was soft because I didn't know where I was going, and then I wasn't aggressive going. So, like, you just kind of don't do most of it. Yeah. So, anyway, we start playing JV. I'm a junior playing JV. Now that I know that's now. You corny as shit if you playing JV in the lower grade. <laughs> yeah. JV. Um, but you know, I didn't know that then. I was just happy to be playing. You know what I'm saying? So that's a thing for me. I was just happy to be playing. And I played like four games of JV. You know, Coach Mike was coaching us. 
Man Dean left for his episode about I felt like Coach Mike was really freestyling. Um, but Coach Mike is like a defense coordinator for like Molly Forge now. He's like probably a thousand times better coach, but that was like his start. You feel me? So right. like we got novice Coach Mike versus right versus the experienced Coach Mike. <laughs> yeah, but um, we were just out there just playing. I was playing offensive tackle and defensive tackle and on JV, living my best life, and I wasn't wrecking shit. <laughs> in my opinion, like you know what I mean. In my opinion, I was not wrecking shit. Like I was just playing. And when I say I was just playing, I'm talking about just I was just out there. Like you ever don't be like locked into something mentally, and then like you out there. Oh shit, it's the fourth quarter now. Right, right, right. Like you know what I mean. They only calling about four or five plays because we ain't really got no JV practice. We really trying to emulate with the varsity run. Right. You know what I mean. So. I would be out there and kind of be like, hey, was it over yet? Like, like, damn, I got to go out there one more time. I'm tired of shit. Like, I would still be like that. And um, it wasn't until, like, I guess after that, and, I'm, and, I, and I hate to say this, I don't know if Varsity was having a hard time on their offensive line, but I don't think I was, like, really killing, like, JV to get, JV to, JV to get promoted to Varsity. Like, I think a good measuring stick for me was um, we had played West Catholic on JV after they destroyed our varsity. And um, the JV game was after the Friday? Yeah, so like we would play Saturdays and JV would play Mondays. Okay. So varsity would get the first nine, you know what I mean? It was opposite of basketball, you know, basketball. By basketball, yeah, that's why, that's why. So like, so we would play like our games on, most high schools play on Friday, but we would always play on Saturday because on the South Philly Super site before they redid it, y'all lucky again, turf and all that. We was out there playing. It was like hella like no grass patches, <laughs> like dirt patches. You know what I'm saying? Dirt. Just dirt. Um, and anyway, we were, we was playing West Cat for that Monday. And like, this is my first experience of like, Dudes that played JV, once they got diversity, they was tough, and then they went on to play college. Like, like I got the first look at, like, what Rob Holloman and dudes like that looked like on JV. <laughs> like, you know what I'm saying? We was, we was like, yo, they just call me, like, fast forward or, right. or, or hollow man. Like, he dis- hey, hologram. Like, he disappearing out there. He was tough. He was dumb fast. Right. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, that was our first look at all these dudes that ended up being like great players was like seeing them on JV. You feel me? Um, but anyway, that was my first time really playing against a bunch of other black kids at a campus school. And from there, we in my head, which ain't just in my head, that's when that Newman West Catholic, like, like I wouldn't call it a rivalry because they smashed us a lot of years, but <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But that's. that's but that's who our measuring stick was. That was the measuring stick. It's like measuring yourself against Big Bro. They was Big Bro. Yeah, no, because West Catholic always had the Wolves. You know what I'm saying? If you go back, you know what I'm saying? Even all the way back to like Curtis Brinkley's and them, you know what I'm saying? They always had dudes. You look at the Curtis Drake's, the Rob Hollivans, the oh, Raven not, Maples. Not not even a shoot, before you get to that, what about like the the fact that like uh they say Coach Fluck, um Got all them players from Newman to transfer to West Catholic, like Danny uh, Chavez, or like something like that, or um, Marquis Slocum. All them was Newman guys, right? And they went to West Catholic, so it was like always this big thing about when we play West, we gotta show them up. They took a bunch of our guys, stuff like that, you know. Right, so right. anyway, after that game, 
Uh, my my good friend, I'm missing a lot of this story, man. I, 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 I don't want to go too fast because I really, this is my 15 minutes. This is my therapy. You know what I mean? Um, my, my, uh, my first Newman Gretty friend is Terrence Martin. First guy I met in school, he would end up being like a tight end being. I don't think he ever really was a starter, but he played a lot of minutes for us because we had a lot of two-way guys, so he got a lot of time because we dudes need a blow, right? Terrence was always a good dude. He was always, he was from like Southwest or like Sharon Hill or something like that, and he was my first person I talked to, like in school. When I was going to Newman that same junior year, Mark McPherson came in from Germantown. Mark was starting corner at Germantown, ran track at Germantown. He was a high, I'm going to say he was highly touted. It's one of the situations where you go to a school and you're not really shining, and you go to another school to attempt to shine. And he was this hard working, muscle head. Hard nose dude, right. and now you talk about like point two, point three of my changing my trajectory on my life, right? You know, especially in my football career. So Mark, Mark McPherson, played running back, Mark played running back. Yeah. yeah. So mind you, we got a running back. Anthony Simp was our running back, and he's nice. Right. But we run a wing too. So you got a fullback and a halfback, and you got a wing back, and based upon. How you calling it is going to determine who get the carries, but it's three people that can carry the ball. It's really two, because the wing back is kind of like an in-between a receiver and a running back. Right. But he also has to be nasty enough to block. So, like, it's interesting who you would put there. Anyway, anyway, Mark is in school. So, I used to hang out with Terrence and Mark all the time. Right. You know, dudes like everybody that was at the school was already kind of semi-popular, um, and I, I don't know. Yeah, like they own clicks already. Clicks already. And it wasn't like I couldn't go with them, but it's who I gravitated to. Terrence was somebody that had been there, but he was open with us. He was cool. And then me and Mark came in together. So it was like, that's who I hung with. I didn't even really, like, Dean was a freshman. I didn't even really hang with Dean that much in school. Right. Because we were two grades apart. So anyway, one day after that West Catholic game, Mark McPherson come up to me like, yo, I think they, yo, just be ready. Just be ready. He wasn't <laughs> telling me nothing. Like, be ready means nothing to me as a dude <laughs> that don't play sports. Like, be ready for what? Right. Like, I'm just showing up to practice. I'm, it's like, I'm just showing up about to get fired. Like, you know what right. I mean? Like, I'm just here. I'm just here. You feel me? And he's like, you better be ready. Be ready, bro. Like, be ready. They got their eyes on you. Be ready. I'm like, who is that? And Mark was on varsity already. At the Mark time. was already on varsity, and like Mark, man, might be one of the greatest football players I've ever played with, bro. On some, on some, no cat. Ain't that's what the youngest say now? No, no cat, bro. Mark <laughs> might be one of the best football players, hands down, I've ever played with. You know what I mean? And he was on varsity. He frustrated because he split and carries with AD. He think he better than Sant for real. You know what I mean? He just frustrated, and every time we get a chance. Mid-season, he started breaking one. You know what I mean? Every time he get a chance, he's breaking one. He made, he making people, he punishing people trying to tackle him and shit. And be making the most out of it. And he, and he was always a ringer defensively. He was right. outside linebacker. He was a ringer. Like, you know what I mean? Like, not, and it's funny that he was a corner, but he was more of a reject you the ball corner at Germantown. Right. Like, I don't know, like a corner that don't get no picks, but nobody getting catches on it type of corner. Right. Versus the corner that might have seven interceptions, but he gambled and got beat three times this season. Right. Mark wasn't that. Mark was the 
shut you down, shut you down. I, I ain't got the stats to support it, but you ain't do shit against me. Right. You know what I mean? And and I just think that has to do with his, his speed and stuff like that. You know, he probably didn't have that recovery speed to be out there, but he was tough. Like, he defensively one of our best defenders, and offensively he was our best football player, even junior year. Even junior year. Um, and at the West Catholic game, we had Archbishop Wood. And this is before Archbishop Wood is who y'all know Archbishop Wood is. Archbishop Wood, was tough just, Archbishop Wood was just like the best in our side of, you know, it was red and blue then. They were just the best on our side, outside of West Catholic. The wood y'all know today is like powerhouse. It's just like how St. Jude's Prep is. It's powerhouse, right. state known. We didn't have no state playoffs, so you couldn't measure them versus nothing. You know what I'm saying? So just before the Catholic League was allowed to play. In the yeah. So, and we had wood coming up, and wood might have been the chance. <laughs> wood might have been the chance, or about to win the chance, about to win the, uh, the division. And I don't know all this history because I'm first year playing football. So, Brian McCartney, McCarty, something like that, Chris Lordich, right. uh, Pat, something, one of the linebackers, like, they was tough. Right. They was tough. They had guys. They had guys. They had big linemen. And Coach Steve pulled me in the office one day, like, yo, you're not playing JV this week. Um, you're playing varsity. You're going to be the right tackle. <laughs> this is like game five of my high school career. So just to put everything in perspective for everybody, this is game five of my high school career, and my first start is against Archbishop Wood. Oh my yeah. god! <laughs> but my thing is, I don't like. I got more nerves right now telling y'all about it than I had then because I don't know. Like, okay, I'm about to start. Right, you're just like, all right, I'm going out here to play. Yeah, like I'm. I guess I guess I'm ready. Like you know, and I'm real lukewarm about it. I practice all week. And I'm still and, – and, and the thing about football is, and I don't think, like, basketball is – these type of sports are just so – you in track. Oh, this is the main event. Just run your fastest. And you can just – even if you get killed, you look like you're running your fastest. Right. You know what I mean? You can come out the blocks all wrong. You can lose your technique on your arms. But if you're running your fastest, you look like the effort's there. Right. In football, if you don't have the confidence or you don't know where the hell you're going, all that shit is irrelevant. Right. You feel me? All that – Maximum effort, oh, knock out somebody <laughs> as hard as you can. That don't matter. That don't, that don't get yards, bro. Right. You know what I mean? If I'm the right tackle and I go out and block the corner hard as shit on a play that's going to the left, it don't, it don't help me. Right. It don't help the team. Going, I hate that, that coaching saying, man, we need to get new coaching sayings. Like, <laughs> yeah, just go out there and hit somebody as hard as you can. That's a bad, that's bad advice. I guess, in their opinion, it's better than not doing nothing to me and soft. I guess that's the equivalent. Um, but, so I'm playing wood, and this is before I knew like like what a stalemate. Like you really want to get in the line and shit. Like that's before I knew about the line of scrimmage and like stalemating or seal blocking or kicking people out and knew the nuances of playing this technical ass position that people just gloss over. Or you just wanted the fat people in the front standing in front of somebody. You no, know, like I didn't really understand football. Like, you know what I mean? I didn't understand what I was doing. Oh, go here and block this bag. That's what I was associating on game day. Because we would block bags in practice. Oh, you come down on this bag, he goes down on this bag, and that's the play. Not thinking, hey, you need to come down on this dude and push him right. as far as you can to open up a hole this big 
concept of that I didn't understand. And it's crazy because like if you came to my house, I would scorch you with NCAA or Madden. Yeah, you I hate, know, I hated playing NCAA. <laughs> I'm like, yo, Luke called all the plays nobody never called and know how to run them jets. Or you know, or Lou, like you lined up like this. I know exactly what you about to do. You used to make me mad when we do that when we play football games, like yo. <laughs> But you about to go here, like I no, I used to get cocky too. You know, I talked to Terrence Martin um, at some point this spring. He was calling me to give me like show me some love for the pod, but he was like, "Bro, I always knew you were special at football. I came over to your house and played into the double A or Madden or something, and you're the first person I knew that would take timeouts to get your players rest because they were getting like red and orange." Was not doing that. <laughs> Yo, like, Lou was doing that at 16 years old, like, knowing to call a timeout, give the guys a blow. He was like, you're probably destined to be a, a coach or something because you just, like, it's parts of the game that you never expected, you know, from. So, anyway, so back to the Wood game. Um, I can't remember, like, really how I did, but like I said, I beat out, that was a big senior class at Newman. It was like 25, 26 kids. And that's one thing I say about, Newman early when I was going there, we had freshman team, JV team, and varsity. Like combined, we probably had over 100 kids on the field daily for practice. And it's nothing like it's probably like that now that the Albies there. But for most years, that decreased every year, every year from 2006 to right. now. Wow. You know what I mean? For years, you know what I mean? Um, I beat out. I didn't know I was playing over three seniors. And right. you know, going to Newman. Catholic school, you know, is is multiple races there, whites, blacks, whatever. And I was I was there and I beat out three seniors and their parents weren't happy for that. And they don't really feel like I earned it. They they really gave Coach Steve a lot of grief over starting me over three seniors who parents had contributed to the fundraising all these years and stuff like that. And they were not happy about it. You know, and but Coach Steve wanted to win. Right. So if he was gonna try this new kid out, because these three guys wasn't getting it done. If 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 look, if I'm a bad football player, I'm a soft football player as a junior, and y'all are soft football players as seniors. He, I might as well play the junior young boy because eventually he's gonna get somewhat better. Y'all are about to be done. Right. You feel me? Y'all maxed out. Y'all maxed out. You know what I mean? At least he has an opportunity one more year to get better, X, Y, Z. Let's get him familiar with the play so maybe he can play faster next year and stuff like that. So I started against Wood, and only play I can remember from that game, good, bad, I probably had so many good and bad plays. But there's one play I was supposed to come down at right tackle, down on the defensive tackle for a handoff or a play action. And I came down and I took an awful angle to get the D tackle and he stayed close to the center and he came through and he tackled the quarterback before he handed the ball off. And I remember Coach Steve flipping out, maybe on like Coach Bill or somebody who were offensive line coach at the time. Like, yo, the kid is just not ready. <laughs> and um it's always the worst feeling like, you know, you're behind the guy you're supposed to be blocking, and he's on your quarterback. It's the reason why I never really gave up sex in my college career because it's just it's just an awful feeling. You know what I mean? Right, it's like right. it's like being in a corner and you got moss for a touchdown. It's nobody else there. It's nobody else's fault. It was one on one. He dicked you. <laughs> 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 you know what I'm saying? Like, like yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. period. So, so, and I gave up that play and I just remember like that was like really like 
hard. It was like that's only that's the only play I remember. I only remember the bad stuff, bro. When you ask me something, I'm not gonna remember right. the, the no, no. Because it, it's the only thing that matters. Like, who you who, who you're praising for good plays? Like, if the play executed how it's supposed to be executed, who are you praising for that? You just did what right. you practiced to do. Right. Um, but, yeah, man. It's a crazy I, dynamic. What? <laughs> that you don't get praised because you just did what you asked to do. That's like life. Yeah. Right. So, so, so I started, like, three games. And I was probably tired to start the rest of the season. And... This is just flipping back and forth into life, just being transparent with you guys. I only wanted to play football for a few reasons. There's only a few reasons. My man was going to Newman. <laughs> Ricky and them used to play football on the block. They had their pads and stuff. And when I would go to Virginia to see my family, um, go down there and see my cousin Craig and my, my cousin Davey um, in Virginia, they went to Cape William High School and they played. I remember like watching their training camp practices when I would come down on vacations and stuff, and they'd be out there ringing, like, knocking each other's head off. Like, I remember them getting mad at each other in the house and going to put their pads on and ran across their big-ass yard into each other. Like, like manufacturing their own nutcracker drill. Right. You know, and let's say they like four or five years older than me, but they were my big cousins. Like, like Cousin Craig probably my favorite cousin. Right. You know what I mean? I got a lot of favorite cousins. Cousins don't, don't no type of way, but he was my favorite cousin growing up, period. You know what I mean? On my mom's side, you know what I mean? So I would drive down there, and my mom happy to see her uncles and her cousins. So I was happy to see Craig and Davey right. every time. And I would, I would, and when I got older, they would play high school football, and Uncle Lewin and I would drive and sit Uncle Lewin's truck and watch them practice. And Uncle Lewin would always say a little sly stuff because I was the city boy and they was country boys, like real chop wood, drive trucks, lumber. They was out there having gardens, picking potatoes and all. And they was real country, playing horseshoes. I'm a city boy. Right. In the house, video games. I need the AC on. <laughs> like, you know what I'm saying? Like, and I would go out there and watch them play football. And I always wanted to play because they played. Even though they were, like, way more aggressive, way more stronger than me. Like, even when we would wrestle as kids and the horse play, they would probably really be fucking me up because I just wasn't strong enough or whatever. But... Um, in the middle of that season that we're talking about junior year, my cousin Craig, he's probably older, he's older, he's out of high school, he gets murdered. We get get robbed and get killed, and you know. And I I decided to go with my family to my favorite cousin's funeral instead of go to our football game. And that that made the staff question how much I cared about the team and winning and shit. And when I came back, I was no longer a varsity starter. So you talk about my first year playing football, I played JV for five games. I start varsity for three, and then it's probably like two more bullshit games. We got like McDevitt and Egan or somebody corny. And I didn't start. They started Michael Flynn. Michael, shout out to Michael Flynn. I like Flynn. You know, he was going to pull me for a senior I'm glad you pulled me from Flint. They changed it from D tackle to O tackle, whatever. And he did good. You know what I mean? He did, he did what he could, you know. But they pulled me because I decided to go to a funeral. And these are things that you never hear about in sports. You feel me? And it's like, like you never, you'll never know that you will get looked that funny for missing the game. That's crazy. That's 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 ultra crazy. 
and, and, and this is under Coach Steve. This, and, and I had similar things happen through in my college career. Right. And this is under Coach Steve. You know, somebody that should be understanding this in the third. And I don't think he really cared. It was the other staff. It was dudes like chucking them. We want to keep it all the way with me, and it was dudes like chucking them. Right. You know what I mean? Uh, you know, I was always the soft kid because my dad came to every practice. and Like, I remember them whispers, bro. Like, I, like I'm not deaf. You loud. Right. You loud saying that I'm soft because my dad at every practice. Like, that's a real... That's a thing. Right? That's a thing. And that's crazy. You know what I mean? But then, you know, as we get older, oh, Lou, my man, you know what I mean? Whatever. You know, I don't want to get into that. But, right. but I remember that. You know, and, I, and that's the thing about me. I remember people about what they say to me. Right. And I'm into... And a lot of my motivation burns from trying to prove people wrong. So, so, like, so the fact that I was doubted and all that and slept on and... That made me better. It made it put a fire in me. And I went to that funeral and put my cousin to rest. And I never got a chance to even tell him I was playing. Because normally I would go to Virginia the summer. But I was playing football myself. So it was like I didn't even go. I never even got the chance to like tell him like, yo, check out. You know, I'm gonna see you some tapes, check me out. I, I didn't get that. Or come up to a game. You know, it was no internet and shit back then, for real, for real. Right, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it, you know, yeah, so this. it was like, it's like, um, I didn't never really get a chance to tell him I played. And that probably, like, my biggest, like, you know, I, it's, like, it's, like, it's, like a, it's like a regret or, like, an idle moment of, like, like, telling, like, you influenced me to do this. Like, check me out. You know what I'm saying? Or you was a big part of that it, to me. You know, seeing you do that made me want to do that. I don't have that. We never talk about that. We talk about that in heaven now. You know what I mean? Or spiritually. But we don't. That's something I never did in person. So considering the fact that like you up and down junior year, but it ended on a down note. Down note for sure. So how did you parlay that into the summer preparing for senior year? Like. Why didn't, how did it not just like, man, I'm done with this football thing? Well, Coach he kept me and Kadeem close. Right. He made us do indoor and outdoor track. He was like, y'all going to be my throwers. And we didn't even have a choice. He's like, y'all, y'all going to be my throwers. Right. And he would make us run. And he would make us lift. And he would teach us how to throw. And we threw. Right. And it's crazy because I didn't want to do it. I didn't want to be in shape. I didn't care to do all this working out shit. Like, that's that's a consistent thing in my career. Is I don't care. I didn't care to be doing that. I would rather work. I had my working papers. I used to work. Like when I was at Prep Charter, that's the thing I did instead of play sports. I had working papers. I worked at Beacon programs and youth works, and I was used to getting my own little monies to go buy buy my own little sneakers or afford to take myself to the movies or buy me the new live or something. You know what I mean? New two K. And I didn't have that anymore because I was playing football. Right. And so in my head, I would play football and then I would go work or something. Right. But I did track. But I stayed in decent enough shape. And Mark McPherson noticed he made us lift. I was not good at lifting. I never squatted. I never deadlift. I never did anything. We didn't have, man, keep it real. Back then, there were no real weight room programs that complemented football. Like all the stuff that you see now is like within time. Like people when outside the city was doing it, people down south was doing it, where the football coaches had weight room for the kids and like you really was testing the kids like how you test in the college athletes. 
in the inner city, that wasn't happening. That wasn't happening unless you were at a state-of-the-art high school, St. Joe's, LaSalle, Roman, or something like that. You had to go to the places that had weight room programs that went with their football. Right. So, like, me and Kadeem and Mark, out of our entire football team, was the only people in the weight room. So you're talking about three guys being in the weight room. All our white guys going down the shores. Drinking, having a great time, doing whatever they do, partying. You know, they they living like entourage in high school, bro. <laughs> I mean, like, you know what I'm saying? You know what I mean? And, and, it's, and this is not like a negative thing. Like, they my guys. We went to war together. We'll always be my guys. You know what I mean? But the point is, we were the worker bees. Right. Me, Kadeem, and Mark McPherson. Right. Everybody else is out there on natural ability. Darrell Delaney, Priyanji Watson. Like, all these other dudes are out there on natural ability. You understand what I'm saying? All this, like, dudes working out, doing speed and cones, we ain't had that. That's so common now. I can open my phone up right now, and I can name you 25, 30 dudes that I played with or played the kids that train people now. There was no training for us in, in 2006. Not at all. None at all. Me and used to run around Stingley Square Park. We would do two laps, and the next day we'll try four laps. And then by the time we got to eight laps, hey, damn, I ain't doing this shit no more. <laughs> you got it. You know what I'm saying? Right. Weightlifting was how many push-ups you could do in a row. I couldn't do a push-up in high school. Like your whole high school? Until, until the Martin McPherson stuff. Right. So how was senior season? So like... After, you know. So we did track. Mark Mark had us in the weight room. He was torturing us, man. Like, like yo, do 100 reps of the, the bar naked. You know what I mean? No weights on it. You can't do 100 reps. You know what I mean? You get to like 60, your arms burning, your, your arms feel like jelly. But we get really got better with all these lifting. Like, you know what I mean? 225. I was able to do like 225 a couple times in high school, but it was nothing compared to like somebody that had been lifting weights for a long time could do. But it was a lot for me. I was actually getting stronger for me, but I'm just so late to it. I'm just behind in my head. But I was in better shape. Right. I, went to, I went to every workout senior year because you know, I came halfway through the workouts junior year. So my first week was rough, and then I caught up. I was good. Right. You know what I'm saying? And now I'm a starter. Being demon starters, we're leaders. And two transfers come in that changed our whole senior year. Chris Palmer transferred from Roman Catholic, I think. Oh, <laughs> Don't. I think, yeah, Roman Catholic, because he played with Jawan Edwards. Uh, they, had, they had Chris Palmer and Jawan Edwards. That shit like having like John Henderson and Marcus Stroud. Right. Or uh, Dominican Sue and Aaron Donald. <laughs> I mean, they still ended up with yeah. Chris Palmer and Khadib. You know what I mean? <laughs> Which is like still crazy, too. Yeah, so, and then Brandon Terrence was a close friend of mine, you know, rest in peace, Brandon. You know, he transferred from West Catholic. He was a bigger DN. Probably should have been a D tackle, but he was a bigger DN and uh, he played backup on line. Um, he was like a junior. He was a 2008 guy. So that's a crazy offensive line. Now I think about it, like you, Kadeem, and Chris Palmer, Jimmy Niven, Kenyatta Peterson, and Kenyatta was the same size as our running back. Literally. They were on the same four by one team. That's crazy. But just you, you, Kadeem, and Chris Palmer is crazy at size and yeah. a high school offensive line. 
Yeah, I'm I'm 6'2", 270. Being 6'4", like 260, 260. Yeah, Chris Palmer was 6'5", 290, easy. Yeah, all top of it. That's crazy. <laughs> that's, that's crazy. Um and um. When they came, it was it reminded me of Ricky coming to our block. Uh, we got to defend this house. So when they came, I used to go against uh, Brandon all the time. Kadeem would go against Chris Palmer all the time, and it was kind of like y'all not about to take this over. We right. here, and you talking about this is all inner squad. Like you know what I'm saying? I really have this theory of you you command and respect of your team. Matter of fact, not even your team, your position. Then you get a side of the ball that you play on, and then you get your entire team. And then you go from dominating your team to dominating the division, you know, division to a district, district to a state, state to all American type status. And that's how you have to dominate to really receive them accolades. And I get that now. I didn't understand that then. But that was us really defending our position. Like we all linemen who who are go-to run behind guy, who are go who are who are best defender, who are the best pass rusher out of us. Like, you know what I mean? It was that type of fight. You know, Dean was the best pass rusher, but Lou was the best protector, or right, you know, however. Right. And that's we our practices change. Bill and them changed once he got the size on that offensive line. And you talk about four out of the five of us were black and athletic. Right. Shout out to Jimmy Niven. Niven used to be D line. D line just got stacked. He moved to O line and was still as nasty as he was on D line or O line. You know what I mean? And he was the only one that didn't start two ways. Me and him were the only one that didn't start two ways. So it was like our left side of our line were two-way starters, our right side of our line and our center were just one-way starters. So like we would run our consistent plays to the right side and we would break all our good shit to the left side because they were the two bigger guys anyway right. with Dean and Palmer. Yeah. Right. So like our bread and butters, our guard traps, our powers were going to me and Niven. Right. You know what I'm saying? And then if we want to go play action and we want to go some type of counter back to uh, demon side, that should be hitting. Right. You know, um, you know, so like, and we were just nice. Like, we, Priyanja came off a knee injury. He was a tight end and an outside linebacker for us. He probably one of the most talented football players I ever played with. He another like Booby Miles, natural ability, 6'4, 230 type of linebacker. Don't work hard. He's from SP. He went to Southern and transferred to okay. Newman. So, we was just tough. Darrell Delaney, we used to call him Radar. He was a skinny toothpick safety, number one. And he had the main sideline, the sideline, and he was a ringer. He wasn't even an intercepting type of safety. We ran a 4-4 with one high safety, and he was the one high safety. And he really was a fifth linebacker. You know what I'm saying? You hear what I'm saying? Like, that's how crazy he was. He was like, he was killing people at safety. No picks. <laughs> It's just the uh, style of football we played, man. And I really think the style of football that you play really breeds a type of like 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 Jamal said, they used to hate playing West Catholic because they would beat you up in the playoffs. You wanted to get you want to play a, a softer opponent. Right. We was beating everybody up senior year. Right. We went nine and four, some shit like that. But things changed, man. Like Coach Bill had a lot more practices where we just did drills against us. Like me, Kadeem, Brandon, and Chris Palmer just did drills against each other. Like most practices, still sharp, and still. still sharp and still. We would push slides for, we would have days where we push slides for 400 yards. You know, he's standing on the slide whistle, and it's probably a group of 20 of us keep going, and we would go up and down the field. Everybody else out there running 707. That was our practice, bro. 
It was nothing to the coach. It was nothing. Shout out to Coach Bill for being a good coach. It was nothing to polish. We run four plays, guard trap, quick pitch, power, power X. We run four plays. And then we got the play actions off of all of them. We run four plays. And as the season come on, we get wrinkles. And we're going to run Solly off of that. We're going to run counter, what is it, counter crisscross. Yeah, we're going to run counter crisscross off of that. You know what I'm saying? It was four plays that started the whole It was nothing to polish. It ain't no more down blocks on bags. It was pushing sleds and us pass rushing. And we had this drill called bloodline where we lined up straight on each other and see who could blow who off the ball. We did. That's all we did every day. Every day. So the game was easy. The game was cake. <laughs> the game was cake. And it's crazy because like at that point, I'm probably still 60% of the football player I've become. Right. Like I still had the don't know no knee bend, so my ass still high in my stance. But we killing everybody. Martin Fish and rushing for like 1,400 yards. Hattie Pat for 1,500 yards. AD now the halfback instead of the, run, the, the fullback. He run for another five. The wingback run for 300. It was it was, it was it was it was prolific, bro. It's a lot of rushing yards. But that offensive line was crazy. Yeah. Yeah. So senior year, man, we um we so we get introduced to who Curtis Drake is. We get introduced to who Rob Holloman is. We shut down Dennis Shaw. He was about to break the record on us. We held him out there for one game. Right. Um, we would have like these battles with uh, Isaiah Emmons and uh, Anthony Blood Rhodes from West Catholic. They were like two like good pass rushers from West Catholic. They always ran a three four. Always gave us a hard time because it wasn't like a traditional four down. Um, but we had battles with them guys, man. Like we killed Kyle Egan. Uh, Mark rushed for like two something on Kyle Egan and broke a ninety four yard run. And um, during that time, my mom was uh, diagnosed with colon cancer. And he broke a 94-yard run and then gave me the game ball to give your mom. I go, that was for your mom. And that's, it, sheesh. <laughs> that's heavy. Shout out to Mark, man. My mom still asks about Mark to the day. Um, you got to get Mark up here. But, yeah, we, we was killing cats. Like, like, Mark was so... Decent as a running back, man. Like, uh, him and AD, one was just cool and, like, shifty. The other one was just rough and rugged. No moves. No <laughs> moves. Mark ain't got no moves. Mark just run the ball where that shit supposed to hit at. And then, and then when you when you hit him, he going to probably take you a full ride a little bit. They like Reggie Bush and Lindell White. Absolutely. And, and the thing about it, they're not no bigger than one another. They're the same size. Just completely different, different running styles. Completely different running styles. So how... Senior playoff for you as far as accolades and um we were tough, but we had 14 all Catholics and right. we were probably third. Coach Steve had us third in the in the on the blue side. We were on the blue, right? We were on the blue side. Okay. And we had 14 all Catholics. Kadeem was a sophomore unanimous first team all Catholic, Mark first team, Hattie first team. Nice. Like our whole offensive side of the ball, when you was in a huddle, you was with first teamers for it. And here I go, and all them big names, they're all big name guys. And Lou is honorable mention all captain. Which I was just happy to be recognized um, until I know what honorable mention means now. <laughs> but uh, honorable mention means, you know, so it's a voting system. Coaches vote, and typically 
if you good to one coach, you're probably good to another coach. So you'll get multiple votes unless right. they into it on the politics. Tip. Like, I just want to vote for my, I want to get my guys voted for right. and stuff like that. So like, you got to be careful with it. But I don't permission me that a coach, coach works you up and you don't even see, like, no votes or one vote. You know what I mean? Something like that. You got fewer votes. You didn't unanimously right. get, you didn't make a team. You know what I'm saying? Right, right. Um, but I was happy just to be recognized. You know what I'm saying? Um, but when I was in a huddle, I was in a huddle with second team, first team dudes. We had 14. That was like the highest total of all Catholics they had. And this is before the, the division was just four and five teams. We're talking about we had 14 all Catholics in a conference with eight teams. It was eight of us. Right, right. Like we had 14 and we had more than Wood. Like, you know what I mean? We had more than, we probably had more than West Catholic that year. Like, you know what I'm saying? So you guys got to think, like, that's how much of a breakout year. Like, they could never beat Carroll. We washed Carroll twice. Washed them. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, it just changed, man. Like, I'm telling you, Mark McPherson, them transfers, the emergence of that 2008 class, shout out to y'all, with Chris Palmer, Darrell Delaney, Priyajay Watson. But that class... Along with, like, you know, like, Mark Leadership, man. Like, that shit. And shout out to Hattie. One of the commonest football. He's a quarterback. Commonest football player. You never felt like you was going to lose with Hattie. Right. And the thing was, he was a basketball player, too. You yeah, know? He was kind of tall. He was, like, he was like slender, yeah, slender, like six, three, six, four. Yeah, yeah, I remember. Um, he had a cannon. Cannon, <laughs> cannon, bro. And you just never felt like you was going to lose with Hattie. And, that, and Hattie was never one of them quarterbacks. You don't know these things until you play with other people, bro. The way Mark was, Mark would, Mark would get game tackled sometimes and come back to a snapping. But if the same thing happened that Anthony Sample, he wouldn't say shit to us as an offensive line. But Mark would come back, y'all better protect me in the pile. They eye gouging me. They trying to jump me in the, they trying to drown me in the mud puddle. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Look, he spit on me. And ref, he called me the N-word. Like, Mark was just, like, so amped up. Right. You know what I'm saying? And Anthony Sample was just get up and run another play. Hattie the same way. Hattie never complained if you gave up a sack or got him hit. He'd be like, you good, big fella? And tap me on the ass and keep it moving. You know what I mean? You just never felt like you was going to lose. Right. Like, even, like, when you, like, can you know it's always that feeling of like you losing, you holding on to a block and Harvey get the ball off. You feel that every once in a while. He don't complain. He never complained. He was the most on-ice quarterback I ever felt. Like, been played. In your whole career. In my whole career. And I was in high school. I mean, I, got, I had guys come close to it, but I'm just keeping it real. Hattie was just cool as a fan. Fresh like an Easter. <laughs> <laughs> That's crazy. Um, so, like, where are we at as far as recruiting now? Um... So, all I remember is this one time uh, Coach had put us on a paper, gave us a paper, and I, it was a paper, and you would have to circle what level that you thought you could play at. Me not knowing better, I circled Division Two and Division Three because I, I assumed that I wasn't a Division One prospect because I had had no contact. I received no letters. I, I'm not sitting here like Dean with – Seven thousand letters, seven real offers. I had nothing, and I, that was my senior year. I had only playing football for two years. Um, we had a guy on our coaching staff named Coach Collinger. Um, he went to Rutgers. He was a teacher in the school, but he was our defensive coordinator. Um, and he took a liking to me and Kadeem, especially Kadeem. And he took us to Rutgers on a visit. That was like my first time even visiting the college. 
no bullshit. You know what I'm saying? So after that, we went to like college fairs where like almost like no real prospects went because all the real prospects were at home because they were already being contacted. So you had like these little college uh, nights for football, college football, where an assistant coach show up and talk to some players and see if they can find some diamond in the rust because they already found their guys. I went to all of those. You know, and only interest I was getting from was like D3 schools like Widener, King's College, um, what's the other one, Del Val. And um, I took my SATs. And as good as my grades were, my SATs was like the opposite of my grades. Right. Like I'm like a 3.6, 3.7 student in the books. And then my test scores was like, not that. Right. I don't even know the numbers. You know what I'm saying? Um, it was not that. And a lot of that, I remember taking SAT twice, and uh, I didn't improve the second time, but it wasn't by, like, great margins. But I didn't like sitting there that long. Like, you ever had a feeling of just wanting to be done something? Just turn it out. And I just couldn't do it, you know what I mean? And I'm so much stronger academically now as an adult. For a lot of my career in high school, until 12th grade, I didn't have to study for tests. And that wasn't because, like, the work was easy or nothing like that. A lot of stuff was just natural, and I retained it from the lesson. Right, right. You know what I'm saying? And I never had to study it. The only thing I studied when I was a kid was spelling, because, like, spelling and pronunciation came hard to me. You know what I mean? You know, um, but my SATs weren't strong. I wasn't being recruited. It was all D3 schools. D3 schools are private schools that don't give scholarships. So now you have this dynamic of they're overpriced and they don't help you athletically. So anybody that's playing D3, they're not getting scholarships. No, they're going to mask it as financial aid or something like that. But there are no athletic scholarships. There's no, there is no funds being generated just for athletics. So, so um, from there, like it was just crazy, bro. Like I went up to visit some of these schools, like Widener and. Uh, Del Val. I really like Del Val. The officer coordinator name was uh, Coach Greco at the time. Right. And I really liked Coach Greco. And he liked me too. And I was going to go to Del Val, but I didn't even get into the school. They're like, I just really can't do nothing for you. You know, your SATs really don't match your grades. It just don't make sense why you didn't do better. On the SAT. On the SAT. So we can't admit you. And he kept it real with me. He might, he might be one of the most realest people in the field that I didn't even came across. He just kept it real with me just like that. And um, I remember this. This is this something I definitely want to put on wax. So I remember going to the poppy store one day, and the poppy store is owned by, like, an older gentleman from my neighborhood named, like, Boykin or something like that. Like, Boykin, older dude in our neighborhood. He's a, and uh, I remember one day, he, don't, he ain't say nothing to me my whole life. Like, like, you know when it's so weird when you don't say nothing to somebody your whole life, and and now they want to ask you questions like, "Yeah, man, you playing football and all, so I see you playing football with the mother big boys, uh, Kadeem and da da da." You talking just like this, like sound like a bunch of gibberish, right? And he says to me, "Uh, you going to college? What college you going to?" And um, I said, "I'm thinking about going to Widener or Del Valle." Man, there ain't no football schools. I'm gonna let some. Old ass man tell me that ain't no football schools and <laughs> that shit ain't Michigan and USC, so that ain't no football school and you ain't really you ain't really like that or some shit. Like and, and, and I remember that my whole life. And he could have just he probably don't even remember this conversation, but he said that shit to me. Right. 
Right. And here I go, my loose shit. I'm gonna prove Dick Kid wrong. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? <laughs> I, I, I didn't, I didn't, uh, I didn't live my whole life to prove Boykin wrong and shit. Like, like you know what I'm saying? So, like, so like he said that shit to me, and I was like, mm. you know, your boy going on to West Virginia, North Carolina State, and Syracuse, talk and talking about them and shit. And I'm just like, like he just don't know our mentality, you know what I mean? Until the day I still carry it just like this. All my homies that's doing great, like if you go buy a Bugatti today, right? You know what I'm gonna say? Yo, we got a Bugatti. My man got a Bugatti. Like I'm gonna be right. hyped. Like you can't tell me it wasn't my will. Right. If Dean go buy a mansion today, yo, we got damn mansion. Like, oh my God, we made it. Like, you know, I'll be happy. And like, like when Jamal got picked up by the cheese, yo, we got picked up by the right. cheese. I'm just yeah. so excited. I'm excited. I could be happy for other people. Right. So I never had, you know, though me and Kadeem's stories are like really opposite. He was kind of like always in the favorite, the kid that could be groomed into something. I was always the afterthought that had the kind of slept on, make something out of nothing. I never was jealous of Dean. That was my man. Dean needed all that shit more than I needed that shit because of his situation. He needed all that shit more than I needed mine. You feel me? So I was always happy for him. He went to Temple, this, this, this. I was always happy. So so for a dude in the neighborhood to tell me, you ain't going to know, that ain't no football school. That ain't no real football. What do you, what is real to you? <laughs> this poppy story ain't no real story. This shit ain't no franchise. What the fuck you talking to? You know what I'm saying? That shit made me so mad. You got to about at 17, I was mad. I was mad about that. We not copping all his poppy stories over there. I ain't been a black angel since. Like, uh, but um, yeah, bro, it, it really made me. Uh, it, it it put a chip on my shoulder. I won't even say it made me upset because I don't think about it to the day. But when I was younger, that shit was on my mind. You know hear I me? Mean? Right, right. But um, so Coach Collinger. So I applied a bunch of schools, and I'm trying to get the ones I'm getting back. I didn't even get into Westchester. Like I didn't get into schools, bro. Like this shit is a real thing. So eventually. I didn't get into Del Val. I didn't want to go to Widener because my reward letter was only eight thousand off of something that was thirty six. Right. So you're talking about twenty eight. My mom and them had to figure out twenty eight, or that'd be all loans. A year. A year. So I didn't want to go to Widener, and then I remember my my, uh, my cousin Cliff, one of his frat brothers or something, knew somebody down Rock, um, Saint Augustine. College in North Carolina. Right. So that was going to be a walk on option for me to play D2 at St. Augustine. And then I got accepted to IUP just on the regular tip. Right. Just on some <laughs> I applied, got in shit. Right. And Coach Collins was like, Oh, you got an IUP? You need it. I know the head coach. Coach Tepper and I played football at Rutgers together in the 60s or some shit. <laughs> bro, your first experience with politics and sports. Yeah, bro. I'm like, wish I played with the leather helmets and shit. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> no, but um, he called Coach Tap, and Coach Tap was like, "We'll take him." And that's when I found out I was the 89th out of like 90 dudes. I like, I had like one of the last one or two roster spots on that on that first IUP team that I was doing. So that was that's my whole recruit process. But that was a walk-on situation that I was comfortable with. Because even if we walked in on, the school was only like 15 or 17 grand a year because it was state school versus if I went D3, you know, you talking about something that's 35 plus a year. You know, now you're starting to get into all these numbers. Like, 
for 100 grand, you'll be over 100 G's just trying to go to school. And it's crazy because before we even jump into college, you know what I'm saying? The how your high school career went, how it's not like, oh, I wasn't the highly touted guy. I wasn't the guy. Like, you more just was, I'm just here doing what I'm supposed to be doing. Because I always think about that time we was, after we was at the Turkey Bowl game, mm-hmm. uh, the numerous playing Southern. And we sitting there, we understand Coach Steve, you know, rest in peace his soul before he passed away. And we sitting there in the stands and Coach Steve flat out say out his mouth to me. He like, man, if I he like, if I had eleven lose on my team, we wouldn't lose a game. Yeah. Which is just like a crazy thing considering how you perceive your high school career in itself. For him to just have that hold you in such high regard. Like if I had eleven players just like Luke. We would never lose. So, and that was like one of the most, uh, excuse me, uh, one of the most flattering compliments I ever got. And I'm not sure Coach Steve know how much he meant to me outside of saving me from my neighborhood, getting me involved in sports and football or whatever. But like, I love Coach Steve. Like, I think it's, a, it's just how I feel about my dad. I, I probably need to honor him and vocalize that like more and more often because. Coach Steve, I never really got the chance to get Coach Steve his roses. You know, and, and and as much as he was like a busy dude and he helped a lot of people, like I was trying to get closer to him, but he was busy, but he was sick. He wasn't telling nobody and stuff, in, you know, in current time or whatever. Um, but I was trying to get closer to him and, and try to be around, around him, learn more from him. Because when you get older, what you want to learn, the, the, the subject matter is different. Like, even as a coach, it's different. Hey, show me how to pass block. But then it's like, yo, show me how to teach pass blocking. It's different. Right, right. Hey, I got a player that's like this, but I need him to do this. Right. You know, and these are the type of questions I was asking him. Like, I remember we were supposed to have a whole, we were supposed to meet one day when I started coaching about red zone stuff. And like, basically, you know, he passed away before we ever got that sit down. But like, he was, he was somebody that really supported me. Coach Steve knew my college schedule, was checking the, it's the thing that you can look up who participated in the game, like who got in. Oh, yeah, the participation report. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was checking the participation report for me since I was a red shirt at IUP. He came to watch me play Millersville. He came to watch me play Kutztown. He came to watch me a bunch of times, and I never knew that he even knew that we were playing. It wasn't like I was, hey, Coach, you're going to be at the game. We're we playing on the eastern side of PA this week. This week. No. Coach Steve, man, like I was trying to say, I think I said before on here, or maybe not. Um, Coach Steve used to like, I don't even know what it's legal to say. Coach Steve used to take his coaching salary and pay tuition. At Garetti. I know. And I and I and 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 it's he never said that to me, but knowing Coach Steve and knowing the staff, none of them dudes is walking on the way with money. All them dudes is there because they loved us and love football. None of that, none of that staff got no bread for being there. I'm telling I, I know that shit is fact. You want to know how I know that shit's fat? Because everybody that was nice, you got to think about it, how many dudes had scholarship at Martin McPherson, the Samples, De- Delaney, Darrell Delaney, Priyanji Watson, Chris Palmer, Kadeem, uh, Skizzy. Like, dude, it was so many of us. Like, to keep it real, all the black kids had, had help. And the year that we was tough, all the black kids was playing. Like, the outside of uh, Vinny and... <laughs> Adam Palatino <laughs> and Jimmy Niven and, and Mike the Jock and Joey Jafrito and Hattie. Right. 
You got that. They, they, in my head, they system dudes. They've been there for four years. They was nice by their senior year. Perfect. But everybody else? Everybody else had to be on a scholarship, bro. Because for a non-Catholic, I mean, for a Catholic, it was $2,500. For a non-Catholic, it was 5200 Now you fast forward now, looming like ten grand a year now in this, in this time. But, um, yeah, man, Coach Steve, man, he was just so good, man. I mean, we lost a game to LaSalle. We got blown out 40 to 0. And basically, the A didn't go through for all them, all our, all, all our players that had A. <laughs> and we were out there playing with, which would have been a Newman team of really all Catholic guys or guys who paid for their tuition. And we lost by 40. 40 to a goose egg. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And, if, and if we play LaSalle again, I'm not sure if we win or lose or whatever, but it's just a different game if I'm blocking for Mark McPherson and then he's complimented by Anthony Sample versus we just got Anthony Sample. I'm not even sure if Sample played. Like, that's how far in the, in the depth chart we were. Like, Chris Palmer and them didn't play. Like, it was only, like, me and Dean out there. <laughs> you know what I'm saying, bro? It's crazy, bro. Um, but, like, I don't know. I just want to talk about Coach Steve for a second, man. It's like, I really believe in, like, my whole life, I understand my purpose now, and it's just, like, furthering everything. You know, what my parents and my, my mom and my dad did for me, just furthering that for my family. Um, the thing is giving back to people, just furthering it. You just really keep passing a torch, you know. If I take it in the, and we, we behind, I want to run up and try to get us in the league or in competition. So when I pass it off to my mind, you know what I'm saying, it's the same thing when I work with my kids and, and you know, coaching or whatever fields. It's all about furthering it taking it further. And Coach Steve was about furthering it. He was about impact. He was about, I don't think Coach Steve had no biological kids. We were all his kids. You know what I mean? We were all his kids. And he was just all about taking things further, building upon, betterment, good citizen. He always used to say, you got to be a scholar and a gentleman. You got to be a scholar and a gentleman. So so for him to be like, you know, if I had 11 Lou Moles, we wouldn't lose a game. It's because I was always the tech. I wasn't the naturally gifted one. I was the technically sound. I had to work hard. It's just how I, my academic career. I had to work hard. Like my, my mom described me and my brother as my brother's like rawly intelligent. I love computers, love video games, rawly intelligent. Lou, smart. He had to work at it to be good at it. You know what I mean? And Coach Steve took my talents seen something in me is gave me opportunity because he was looking further. Like, he's not even going to have his best years as a new majority saint. His best years are for the next coach. He was furthering it. That's crazy. Like, you know what I'm saying? He was furthering it. Like, right. and it's all about taking it further. Like, so that's just, I, I learned that from him. And that's kind of what I put out to, to the people I work with now. That's kind of like what the podcast is about. You know, it's better than me lecturing a kid, you know, my buffer is sports. Now it's not I'm not lecturing. We have a commonality. Right. We got something in common. Or you like touchdowns and three pointers? I do too. You know That's what I mean? Right. Now I can really kind of influence you and talk to you about things I really want to talk to you about because I'm not the old head that's coming off like I'm preaching. I'm furthering it. So now I take them same messages I will be giving one on one coaching. I get somebody to sit in that chair or this chair. That's right. This chair. And they talk about their experience, and they're really highlighting all the similar things that I would be saying to a kid anyway. So all the messages being passed on, and all we're trying to do is further it. You know what I'm saying? So fast forward, just touched on Coach Steve. So 
one IUP. How is that? First of all, I mean IUP accepted you. IUP is what six hours, five, hour five hours away. Mm-hmm. So that's a thing in itself. So now we go to school five hours away. So my whole life we we traveled, you know, like we drove from Philly to Florida, Orlando, Florida, like at least 10, 11 times. So I was used to long drives, you know, my family in Virginia, Virginia lives outside of Richmond, so from Philly to Richmond, we used to them type of drives, like, I have never been five hours in state. You know what I mean? <laughs> so so right. in my head, five hours would get me at least three states away or something, you know, in my head, right, 95 right. or something like that, right? So you're talking about going across the state, up through tunnels, mountains, up and down the hills, slopes. Like that was my first time seeing highway signs that said high crossing winds. Like you could be blown off this road. That's crazy. Like you know what I mean? Or uh, what's the other one they say? Falling rocks. <laughs> like falling rocks? Like what you mean? <laughs> like you know what I mean? Not that I ever seen any of this stuff, but it was my first time like outside of the country, down south country, it was the countryside of PA. Right. Like, you know what I mean? I never seen that jogging through all these little areas, you know, Breezewood and Bedford and, like, I, you know, I know Harrisburg is the capital. I've never been to Harrisburg, you know what I'm saying, anything right. like that. But I've never been in that direction on, in the highway, you know what I mean? So it was definitely different, you know, the drive, you know, you talk about hills and stuff, the drive is a lot harder than 95, it's just flat, right? straight down. It's pretty much an easier drive. This is, <laughs> you know, you get like you can see the slope. Like that's my first time driving down a slope, and you can see the slope. And all I kept thinking about was, like, I never want to do this shit when it's snowing. I never want to do this shit when it's shit snowing because I have like this problem, like this phobia of like being out of control, sliding. Right. You know, like I don't like stuff like that, like ice. I don't like elevators. Like things where you're not in control enough, you can get out when you need to. Right. You know what I'm saying? So like, I always feared that. Like that was like my biggest thing driving up that joint, like. Never do this going when it's even flurries. I don't do flurries. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But um, driving up there for the first time, I went to orientation. I met a lot of Philly dudes on orientation that who that who were I initially hung with at IUP. Right, right. Were a bunch of Philly dudes, non-athletes. Right. Um, like Damian and Ron yeah, Baker, and, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Uh, Zay, you know. A lot of dudes that just didn't play sports, you know what I'm saying? Dante, all them. So I met them at orientation, and they were just cool, you know what I mean? And we hung out a lot, tried to party with them a lot my freshman year. But orientation was cool. And then the next time I come up, it's for training camp. So I meet all the other guys on the team. And the irony about that is, you know, my first rule, like, yo, this is college moment, is when I seen uh, one of the linemen named Rory Thomas. Right. Uh, IUP. He's a big black lineman, like six three, like three something, and he just looked the part. Long arms, strong looking, bald headed beard. I'm like, I'm like this, <laughs> this is that grown man stuff right here. You know right. what I mean? And he was my first vision of like, yo, that's what college linemen look like. Right, right. You know, so I had like this, you know, and then you know, further down the line, like he's somebody that I modeled my whole playing style after. He was a center that played, could play center, left tackle. Right tackle guard. He was this. He, you know, he played every position the offensive line, and I, I wanted to be just like that. He was long arm. He was bottom heavy. He was nasty. He was, he was smart. Right, right. 
right. It, it takes a lot to be from center to left tackle. They're really two different things, two different animals altogether. And um, I watched this dude um, accept all them challenges. Like, we need to play left tackle this week. And he go out there and get it done. And uh, he was as physical as a mean. He was like my definition of like a senior. Like, he was mean. <laughs> you were a freshman. You were a pup. You were a nobody to him. Right. You know, he was, he was, he, you know, it was like you had to do something to get in the club. You wasn't in the club. Like, you know what I mean? Like, you nobody. You're a freshman, you know what I mean? Half of y'all ain't going to make it academically. Half of y'all not going to make it through the, the physicality of the game. And until y'all prove me otherwise, we ain't really got much to rap about. Come hold this bag for me. Let me get my, my pass pro punches in. Right. And that was his <laughs> swag, you know what I mean? Like, I watched him, like, like stand in his uh, pass pro posture with a 45 plate and sit there and punch the plate before games with his headphones in. He was nice. He was nice. Prepared. Prepared, bro. But, you know, in the cerebral part, he had it all mapped down. He could draw up on the board, every position, tell you where everybody go. You know what I mean? And I wanted to be like that. Because to me, when you know all of it or the most of it, they, there's nothing they can say to you. Right. It's nothing nobody can say to you. So in my head, I wanted to know what I was doing. Right. But, you know, you know, <laughs> like I told you all on the recap, I get up there, all my paperwork in late because I'm the 89th out of the 90 dudes. I didn't even know I was coming to the school until like June. People knew they was coming there since February. So all my paperwork in late. I'm not cleared to do no physical activity for like the first two, three days. Thank God for that. Thank God for that, bro. Because <laughs> then again, like I said, not knowing I was even going to college to be an athlete, I ain't do no training. Right. I wasn't in nobody's shape. What is shape? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So uh, I was out of shape, man. And that's when I finally seen like conditioning tests. And we, we ran 80s up there, you know what I mean? We ran like 6, 15, 80s. For alignment, you had to make them in like 15. semi skill was like 13. And like and like the skill guys was, skill guys was like you know, 11. 80 yards, 11 seconds. 11 seconds. 30 seconds of recovery between each joint. That's brutal. It's crazy. So, and it was rapid. You know what I mean? You'll go out there, maybe done that test in 15 minutes. <laughs> you know what I mean? All right. So, so, and, and if I, you don't pass the conditioning test, you post to, you're supposed to like slide on the depth chart. You're supposed to like keep coming back until you make them. You know what I mean? And like always being out of shape, bro. And this is funny to say here. You know, when you're the out of shape, dude, all they want to do is see you finish. That's that becomes a thing. Like your, your run wouldn't even make sure Lou finished. He's the last one. Or like <laughs> that become a thing. And, um, Sorry, but for the greater part of my career, I was that, you know, until I got a handle of what it meant to be a college athlete, to be in shape and all that. That was me for a long time. I struggled with a lot of running. Like, I don't, I never liked running. You know what I mean? If I could substitute running with swimming, I would be in shape. Because yeah. I was probably, you know what I mean? I could swim better than I could run. You're just a football player, though. You know what I'm saying? You just got to work out there and play. Yeah, I just, I just, I just cause the thing is, you put me in the classroom, I could draw like the whole playbook. Right, and how was that? Like saying like you like at Goretti we had four plays mm-hmm. and then we kinda of ran a variation of four plays. Yeah, I pretty much had the same blocking assignment for like the majority of our plays in high school. Right. So how was transitioning into learning a full college playbook? So let's just be honest. So I redshirted my first year at IUP due to the fact that we had like three seniors, you know, we had sophomore guys that were like all conference, so like it was no pressure to come in right away and play. 
So I went there and uh, I was on scout team. So I didn't have much time to be familiar with our actual plays. I was running the plays of the other team for our team. Right. That makes sense. Like our opponents, you know, right. we were a scout yeah, team. Yeah, right. You're so, just trying to emulate what the other team and, um, and then, you know, once they were about to like pull my red shirt mid year, I stopped like doing that. And I started to be with our offensive line group and then just play scout team D line. Right. Which I used to always line up against Rory Thomas at the end when he was a tackle. And like try my best to like, like here's this in my head, this grown behind man. I'm this guy who barely made it to college football. Like in my head, I can't make him better. Right. I just can't because I'm not even supposed to be here. Right. Like, you know what I'm saying? So like, and that's when he kind of like would start killing me. Like I've never been on the ground so much in my life. <laughs> like pancaking me, knocking me over, like almost like like bullying to a degree. You know what I mean? But he was he was toughing me up. Right. Because if he figured if he made me mad, I would play harder and then make him better. Right. I remember you telling me. I remember you saying that to me one day when you was like going against him, and he just really was like kind of like dug into you. Like you're not making me better. Like yeah, what, like what, he was. He, we was on a playoff run, freshman, my freshman, my red shirt year. We were on a playoff run, and we beat like Westchester, like in a shootout at the crib. And it was the week of practice of that joint. And like, he like, you out here? What you want to be out here? What you want to be out here? And what you feel bad that you ain't home for Thanksgiving with your peoples? Right. I mean, it's a part of the game. Like, you yeah. should be honored to be here. It's only X amount of teams doing this right now. You should be honored that you're one of them. Right. And he was like, and he was like. I'm gonna keep whipping your ass until you practice harder, because I need you to make me better. And that was like the energy he had. He, you know, he's really. I'm gonna get him on the show. I'm gonna get him, I'm gonna get him on the show because he's in the area. I'm gonna get him, bro. He has that type of energy. Like, tell me, tell me what you're gonna do. Right. I'm not letting up. And then I remember on one light, they were running like a stretch. We had a lot of stretch at IUP, and I was the DN trying to keep contain on him. And I don't know that much about D-line either, other than going against him. I'm trying to keep contain on him. And I know when I get mad at him, and he's reaching me, and he like headbutt me, boom, while he reach blocking me. So I get mad and stop trying to defeat the block, and just was running with him, and just kept headbutting me back, boom, <laughs> boom, trying to. I don't know what I was doing because the ball still hit right outside of me. Right. <laughs> but it was just the physicality. I was now understanding the physical part of playing offensive line that right. you need to wear people down, you need to punish people, you need to be guys on the ground. You know what I'm saying? You need to impose your will, make somebody quit. And all, I was learning that as a racer. Like, yo, don't quit. No matter how hard it is, don't quit. Right. And then, you know, like I said, I didn't have much time to actually do our stuff. I was a scout team player. And that spring was my first time getting a chance to do our stuff. And I had an opportunity to play because it was like three or four uh, senior linemen. And I was able to start the spring. And we were always down linemen in the spring. Like, we would practice whole springs with, like, seven, eight linemen. So my fresh, fresh off my red shirt my first year, I was a spring starter. That's great. Like, pencils in. Pencils in. Start. Default type player. The three, freshmen, the, the, the three freshmen, it was me and two of the guys that came in with each other, were more recruited by Coach Kent, our offensive line coach, than I was. I'm a walk-on. They were both recruited by both had scholarship money, Vinny Wasso and the boy Jared Walls. Right, right. The irony in that, we used to do these things like, uh, he used to call them puppy one-on-ones, where we would do pretty much line up with each other and see who could blow who off the ball right. as entertainment <laughs> at practice. 
You feel me? Trying to trying to make who the top youngin out of everybody, which is it ain't nothing wrong with it to me, but it was that's what we did. Like we would have this round robin of me, Vinny, and Jared trying to blow each other up. We like like hated each other on the field because eventually we would always had to go into each other repetitive, repetitive, repetitive. Right, right. And um initially they were better than me. Initially, initially everybody was better than me. That's how I feel. Right. Initially, because I, I went through so much going into college, bro. Like, like I was a waist bender. Right. I didn't have inflection in my knees to bend. Like, it took me that whole freshman year. Uh, Adam Potts or somebody like that was our strength conditioning coach. Like, I tried to squat and I like dipped down and came up as if there was a squat compared to somebody sitting like they were in a chair. He was like, bro, you can't do that. And he made me like duck walk and like carry sandbags, duck walking, just to get my hips to loosen up so I could become a knee bender instead of a waist bender. And it changed my whole trajectory in my career because I used to have a high stance and I wasn't firing, I was firing out high because I wasn't low enough in my stance. Right. And now when I get in my stance, I'm damn near ass damn near on the ground. Cause that's how right. like how I learned to use my trunk, you know what I mean, use my Nice. <laughs> yeah, that's how I got better, bro. And um, these are all the things I've learned in freshman year. You know, yeah, I had freshman year is a freshman. Uh, like both. Yeah, like so, like that first year of college. Okay. So whatever you want to call that, I don't, right. I don't know the technical terms of the stuff. But um, I was going through that in the weight room in our weight room program. I was going through that on the field, and I was trying to learn our plays when I was penciled in as a starter. Um, and we were expected to have like a down year because we weren't returning much up front going into the 2008 season. Right. Um, and me, my, my, my dog, Nate Tucker, shout out to Nate Tucker. He was a transfer from UConn. He played D-line initially and then switched to O-line. So he was like always this extremely athletic offensive tackle because he really uh, all safe defensive end. Right. So he knows both sides. And he, and, he, and, he, and he wasn't really a cerebral player. But more so, somebody can improvise real good. He was athletic enough to recover from everything he wasn't good at. So you beat him up the ball. He was athletic enough to still block you. And he the one that kind of took me to take pride in that, you know, most defense linemen are probably black. And being a black offensive lineman, you're going to match them athletically. So now the only thing you need to worry about is power. So get your power up and get your strength up. You're going to be able to be ready for every finesse move because you're athletic and long-armed. Now, make sure you get strong so when they get physical with you, you can handle yourself. You know what I mean? He kind of taught me that. You know what I mean? And that's a part of the offensive line that, you know, people aren't probably preaching in them terms, but you just got to be prepared for everything. No, teaching them in pieces. Finesse pass rushes are speed, finesse, agility. You know what I mean? Power pass rushes are momentum guys, ball rush, push-pull, you know, clubs, like things that knock you off balance. And you have to be a, a the to be a good offensive lineman. You have to be really fairly good at both. You know, and that was always my thing. I was ripping guys for when I was coaching because they weren't good at both. They weren't like 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 I keep it real. You be here. After I became a starter at IUP, I could count on my hand how many pass rushes I lost in practice. You did what I'm saying? Like I don't like I never lost a pass rush for like three years. Only person the last couple of people to beat me at pass rush are Anthony Guerrero, who's probably one of the top three D linemen I ever played against. I remember the first day I was a true freshman, he would kill me, and, and it was like so embarrassing sometimes. I would lie, I would 
you know, you want to be young and go against a senior. You pop up there and you go against an older guy. And they're like, come on, man, get, get this pop out of my face. That's how, you should, that's how they used to treat me. And then um, I remember, no, no, line it up. And I'm like kind of like talking shit to just even get the opportunity because that's a stage at that right. point. That's a platform. Older guy versus young guy. Only thing, they expected him to kill me. So all these times I go up here, he like knocked me over. He, he tough. He, he strong. his cast like this big, bro. He monster. And I just remember him always charging and just so hard to touch. He set his hands down, move you out the way. He was nice. Right. It was like such a, he was so physical. And he was one of them guys that his body was, he was stronger than his body, so to speak. Right. And he would always have like these freak injuries. How do you just hurt yourself doing that? That's some, rep- it looked regular. But he gonna hurt himself because he was like mad strong. Like it was all that. Right. So right. anyway, I remember this one time I lined up with Anthony Guerrero. I admire this dude so much. Because he would have battles with Rory, you know, Rory, J- Jimmy O, right. like our better old Hamlet. And I remember this one time I went against him, and he like barely didn't practice. He was almost like a, he was always banged up, and he had juice. Right. <laughs> when you got the juice, you'll be practicing, you know what I mean? And um, he had the juice because he was nice. And I lined up against him, and he came out the stand. And one thing Coach Kemp used to tell us, set, punch, and mirror. Set, punch, and mirror. I mean, I skipped that whole thing against him that day. I just set and punch. And I hit it. And it made him restart. And everybody said, woo! And when they did woo, I got excited too. And then he sauced me. <laughs> and then he sauced me. But it was just, they ain't seen nobody make him restart in years. So it did a lot for my confidence, but when everybody got excited, I'm like, oh, what did I do? Right, you know, I, mean, you I, had already won. I just blew the layup. Man. I just blew the bunny. I, you know what I'm saying? It was over for that. Shit, got my shit pinned against the glass. <laughs> uh, so, so, like, outside of, like, of course, the size and the conditioning and all of that, what else was, like, difficult in the playbook, of course? I mean, you know, I don't really think you struggled with the playbook. I did, though. You did? Yeah. I did, though, because... I was always touted to play multiple positions. Right. Um, and the playbook was hard to me because none of the players were the same. It wasn't like it was it wasn't like a lot of things played off of each other. It was like different rules for stretch, different rules for power, different rules for inside zone, different rules for ISO. None of the rules matched. Even in, in pass protection. This was man, this was half line, and this was man, this was full slide. You know what I'm saying? These protections were different. This is a seven-stop drop-back max protection, seven-man protection. This is a six-man protection with a back releasing on a cross kick. I'm getting all technical with you, yeah, but these are <laughs> these are different protections. And, like, the way I learn, I'm a, a conceptual learner, so I need to learn a concept. Right. You know what I mean? I need to teach me power. Don't teach me what I'm doing. And that's what he was trying to do. Like, Lou, this is what you do in this play. But when then you flip the play, I'm still associating – this is what I do on this play instead of the numbers, you know, 34 and 34 power are just one is to the right and one is to the left. Right. But in my head, I hear power. I'm thinking, oh, you told me this is what I do on power instead of saying, hey, on a power play, if it's going to the right, this is what it looks like. So it's going to the left, this is what it looks like. Right. So I, I am a conceptual, even when I talk in my metaphors, it's yeah, a concept. Because yeah, yeah. you, like, you explained to me, like, um, even when we were talking about, we just touched on, like, how we play the game earlier. When you were talking to me about, like, formations with, like, trips. Yeah. And then the backside receiver, who really just over there just running some just to, for the sake of running it. Mm-hmm. Because nine times out of ten, 
you ain't going that way. Yeah. You're going somewhere towards where these receivers It's crazy because in today's game, they are going that way. <laughs> so when I when I was talking to you about that years ago, right. so you're talking about passing concepts, you know, the more receiver side is probably working a concept. Right. The back side is a decoy route or some type of one-on-one opportunity. And nowadays, and now the RPO, all that stuff, now the front side with the trips is the decoy, and the yeah, back side is where we really want to go with the ball. But then bring that bring that back. That's how, like, like I said, you explained it to me in that way. So, like, you running no line, I'm assuming that would have been similar type thing. Like, I need to know what this play yeah, does like, as a whole, as a so whole. that I can understand where I'm at and what I should be doing. And I guess, and I guess, like, as a, and, and it's funny because, like, I'm kind of critical on coaches. Like, um, some coaches in my in my coaching career, I felt like you're teaching really watered down stuff. You're teaching simplistic stuff, and it's like elementary to me because I learned football as a whole complicated you know like I played in the wing tier high school I played in the pro then I played in the spread so like when you get me as a coach like I played in three different offices and I was successful with every of and all of them and I understood the difference in them you know what I mean because I conceptualized what was the goal of this offense versus that offense and like he was trying to teach me my position I guess and when I started to understand what's the purpose of this play and what it's supposed to look like, man, I think that's the thing that's missing from coaching, that if you go out there and demonstrate or whether you put it up on film, you need the kids to know what the end result looks like when it's done right. So it's like you teaching me a reach block, but what does it look like when you do it right? Right. And if you got a coach that's, you know, I don't know if you're old or you're young or you can't demonstrate or you never played the position before, that's the gap. And they got some kid to perform something that he don't know what, like, you know what I mean? Like, what when you do math, like, when right. you do math and I teach you how to solve for X, at the end, I'm going to tell you how I got X right. or what X is, right? right. How do you expect a, a kid to get the X if you ain't the, the middle part? Right. Like, you know what I mean? What does it look like? What, what does the end look like? Right, right. You know what I mean? So, like, it was nice that, like, when we learned power, this is a good example. We learned power. When you learn power on the game, I bet you everybody that watches, when they learn power on the game, in real life, the way we ran power, we never were supposed to hit it. It was never a, a B-gap hit. It was always for a backside eight run. Right. So you're supposed to let everybody flow, double team to the linebacker, pulling guard, everything, all this traffic going over here. And if you keep it in the beat of double team, it'll be daylight on the backside eight if you ran it right. Right. But when you run power on Madden, right. so everybody just, right. you just, you just run right. behind the guard. By, right. Like I told you, I just, know, I just understand football differently. You feel me? It's the same thing when you run in zone. Like, you run in zone to get everybody to flow for you to fall back into something on the backside. Right. It's not for you to hit it front side. Right, right. It's not. It's really not. It's reads and stuff. You know what I mean? But, like, when I was learning football, you talk about me being 19, 20 years old, man. I was struggling with that. And then one day, Nate Tucker again, <laughs> he would say the same thing Coach Camp was saying. But you know, him not being a 20-year coach, he was saying it so much simpler, which didn't allow me to pace together the whole play. You know what I'm saying? So he kind of helped my college career too because he broke it, he broke things down in my initial understanding that red shirt year that made me good at what I was supposed to be doing, that led to me in the next year's understanding what everybody was doing. And that that changed my career a little bit. To be continued. Part two, coming soon. Thank you for tuning in.